0: While we were on holiday and wandering around the theme parks, we created a song,
1: didn't we, Michael? You shouldn't have had any introduction, you should just jumped straight into it.
0: I am doing. This is going
1: pre-credit. Ah, right Keep up. Okay. <laughs> Still jet-lagged. A... How dare me not know what you're going to do after we record this. Exactly. And this is how the song goes. Are you ready? Yes. You must join in. Right. Oh, I know you love to hear us sing. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That snow
0: moon, it's a space station They were the words of Obi-Wan But the rebels stood tall and the empire did fall It's a Death Star after all
1: We're in the queues. Yeah. <laughs> 90 minutes for Goofer. Yeah. This briefing is from file A56 7W. Classified top secret subject is. AK's hey, comics!
0: Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads, and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude. <laughs> We can make them better than they were before. Better.
1: Stronger. Faster.
0: Hello, lovely people, and welcome back To Hey Kids Comics. Oh yeah, it's back for yeah this yeah it's back for us, but not them. No, it's back for well, as far as our lovely listeners are concerned, we didn't miss a week. No. Maybe a bit late in some places. We missed three, but we didn't miss a week. No. No, but as far as we're concerned, this is the first time we've sit down to record an episode in five weeks. Is it? Yep. Five whole weeks. Today, we're doing one of our traditional feedback episodes, despite the fact that last week I said Spider-Man Month, hurrah, Michael pointed out that we had quite a lot, 39 pages worth (laughs) of feedback. I mean, I do have it double line space, so it's not going to take that, that we hadn't talked about. Yeah. So you said let's do
1: all the feedback and get all that. Because you also said to, to save it for a feedback episode that we never have. Yeah. So it all built
0: well, up. I originally thought we would be a lot more incompetent than we have <laughs> turned out to be in terms of. We didn't out think people would episode. listen to
1: us. Yes. Do people listen to us? I think we do. Really? People must have. Why? They've emailed us. Ah, yes, that's true. Uh,
0: but before we begin with that, last week I couldn't for the life of me remember which comics I'd bought in Florida. Okay. I know a bunch of. Uh, I bought a bunch of bronze and silver age Amazing Spider-Man's, and they're all put away safely in their little plastic wallets. But uh, I couldn't remember what else I'd bought because obviously Angela had packed everything already, which is fair enough, I suppose. Um, but what I had bought, because I know it'll irritate you all if you don't know. I got the New Mutants graphic novel by Chris Clermont and Bob McLeod for $5. Nothing interesting there, then. I'm interested in it. That's why I bought it. And consider it was only $4.95 when it first came out, I consider that a bargain. Oh, is that Liffield? No, no, that's Art Adams. Uh, I got the Longshot six-issue miniseries. Art Adams used to look that bad. That's pretty good. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, I got Green Lantern Retroactive 1990s. Woo, that was, in, was that in the dollar bill dollar bin
1: yeah
0: 50 cent bin something like that I got Batman Bullock's Law <laughs> which was in the dollar bin Batman the Bullock's Law yes um, I didn't get that that shouldn't be though <laughs> I got Superman 307 which has a great Neil Adams cover of Supergirl smashing the bottle city of Kandor. I thought it was Supergirl's legs it's a great cover of Supergirl's legs Yeah, she's wearing hot pants mm-hmm. which is always nice uh, I got Batman 246 which has Robin hanging and it's How Many Ways Can a Robin Die, Neil Adams' cover, again. Uh, I got Batman Family. That sounds like a great
1: comic actor where every panel is Robin dying in a different way.
0: (laughs) Different Robin as well. I got Batman Family 483, which is the 40th anniversary of Detective Comics. I couldn't remember that last week, could I? No. Really irritated. I've got the Titanic 200th issue of The Superman Family, which has got a really good cover. Um, I think that's Ross Andrew. Yes, it is because it's signed by Ross Andrew. Kind of gives it away. Of the entire Superman family, appropriately enough. I got Galactus, The Origin, Supervillain Classics number one. Uh, DC Comics presents annual number one, Superman and the Golden Age Superman, which is really good. Mm. I've read this one, Mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoyed that. And DC Comics presents annual number two, Superman and Superwoman, which I haven't read, but has a really good Gil Kane cover. So there you go, I'm, I know you'll all sleep better at night now knowing which issues I bought that I couldn't remember last Is week. Is that
1: everything you bought?
0: No, no, that's not everything I bought, that's just when we were on about the single issues I bought last week, the day that we left, Yeah. your mum had already
1: packed them, so I couldn't remember what they were and it was bugging me. Right. Okay, have you got anything to say? About what I bought? Yeah. Well, I bought my regular comics. Yes. You I, I decided to buy Men of War because it was the last issue was written by Jeff Lemire. Hmm? I, I decided to buy I, Vampire cause it was a crossover just to sing Dark. Okay. And I got Flex Mental and Batman Incorporated. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that last week, didn't you? Yeah.
0: Right. Okay, so on to emails. And I got a cool Canada hoodie. Oh, Canada. Blame Canada. That Canada thing in Epcot yeah. would be much better if it was William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, it would. Instead of Martin Short. Mm. i have nothing against Martin Short. It's just William Shatner, just William Shatner would be better.
1: Yeah. I'm from Canada. You may not know
0: this about me, but I am from... Oh Canada! <laughs> he probably would say Oh Canada. Anyway, the he first email. The yes. Oh Canada. Oh Canada. I can't get behind that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the flag's a little funny leaf. What are those two <laughs> red lines for anyway? Entitled stuff on your show, as opposed to stuffing <laughs> our show. Uh, Dave Walker wrote to us and said hey guys since you showed some of the Christmas swag you got with us my god that's going back a bit isn't it maybe Mm. you were right to do a feedback episode Uh, I thought I'd share some of mine with you first up I got the box set for the X-Men animated series uh, it's awesome and uh, it's also got the quadrilogy of movies on Blu-ray I got the Spider-Man animated
1: series for Christmas did you? yes yes you did I'm currently in season 3 the good one out of all of them I I didn't really like the X-Men one I wasn't. I watched the X-Men one regularly in the 90s yeah because it got shown regularly. I wasn't and particularly fond of Hulk. I, I,
0: I remember enjoying it for did what it was. Did Ghost
1: Rider have an animated series? Not that I recall. Maybe you did. The, the mornings I was up, Nan and Grandad's and I'd watch Fox Kids even though he wouldn't let me. Oh. <laughs> so you did it anyway. Yeah, I did it whilst we were making breakfast. Alright, oh, right.
0: Okay. He carries on. yours, young Dave. So that's yeah. the first three plus Wolverine. Next, got my Darth Vader poster that I got signed by Dave Prowse. Framed. Did he sign it? Dave Prowse is Darth Vader. Because I, I think that's how he signs everything. <laughs> yeah, because he's slightly, uh, slightly strange like that. On Blu-ray, on Star Wars, I was quite disappointed with it. Okay. Because you can see his first three
1: Vader's eye yeah. eye holes. You can't see that on the nope. original. Ones.
0: Nope. Yeah. Nope. Quality control out the window on the pre on the original trilogy. He's only interested in the prequels. <laughs>
1: okay. Then. Um,
0: and a great little notebook my girlfriend made from an old Star Wars monopoly set. That's actually quite cool. <laughs> I like it when when the women make little things for us to tolerate our geekhood. <laughs> got some other awesome stuff I'm too lazy to write it all down. There, fair enough. <laughs> so he emailed us in to tell us what he got for Christmas, but they I couldn't be bothered writing bit. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> uh, since you mentioned them, continued Dev, I just wanted to let you know that if you go to Journeys next time you're in the state, we that's did. where you'll find the DC Converse and a whole lot of awesome t-shirts. Which we did. Which we did. It's where I got my Flash Converse and two cool reversible t-shirts of Flash and Batman. And where Adam got his Batman Yeah, we, I bought Adam some Batman Converse and I really wanted those Flash ones. Yeah. But I don't think I'm cool enough for Converse you keep saying nah, I don't you're see cool enough for Converse coolness has to do with Converse. I don't think I can I'm nearly 40 I can't pull off Converse
1: okay
0: uh, nearly got some Superman and Green Lantern Converse 2 but thought I might need more room for other things since at this point I'd only been in the US for a day Dave <laughs> yeah you could spend a lot because the Batgirl and Wonder Woman Converse were actually really cool for you, mum weren't they yeah Joe's Luis Garcia Lopez artwork on them He does everything else. and Jim Lee was it Jim Lee Justice Jim League Lee. or was it Ed Beans it was oh, did they have Julie. one of each? I think it was an Ed Beans one. Right. Yeah, they had some really cool combos in Journeys. I wanted those gorillas ones. Yeah, you wanted the gorillas ones, but you can get them over here, although uh, they were a lot cheaper over there. Yeah. Comparatively. Uh, thanks, Dave. Dave does the Flash Legacies podcast, uh, which is good. I like listening to that. Okay. Hmm. I like his accent. Does
1: he have an accent? He's Irish. He's got a little. He's got that little Irish lilt that I quite like. Oh, right. Oh, great, we've got an Irish listener. Yes. You have to be careful what I say now. No, I don't think Dave would be offended by your, your stupidity. No one else seems to be. Alright then. <laughs> as long as everyone thinks I'm stupid and
0: doesn't take me on, I'm fine. Yes, just don't take you seriously. That's the way... That's how I approach you. <laughs> I found that it's got me through 16 years of having to put up with you. I know. Uh, the next email is some feedback on Night's Quest and other things by Sean Foster. And this was a long time ago. It was, yes. Hello, Andrew and Michael. There's a man who knows how to address emails.
1: No,
0: he doesn't. Yes, he <laughs> does. I just want to send some feedback on the wonderful episodes that both of you have been bringing to us. Loyal and lovely listeners. Thank you very much. We love loyal and lovely listeners. Mm. We like both loyal and lovely. Yep. Lovely and loyal. I don't know about wonderful... Yeah, Burly adequate <laughs> episodes. Uh, I was steered towards your show by Michael Bailey's steady stream of support via the playing of promos and numerous mentions on his many many podcasts. That's podcast whore. Actually,
1: Mike's cut down an awful lot. Has he? Yeah. Did a doctor phone him and tell him he has to cut down. <laughs> he's
0: going to be stressed out <laughs> if he doesn't if he doesn't pull back. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just know he's he's eased off quite a bit recently.
1: Maybe he's he's stopped taking a step back and gone. Jesus Christ, you have to work for a living.
0: <laughs> I think working for a living may be something to do with it yeah. to be honest with you if we could make money from podcasting and not have to work for a living we would all be very very happy
1: yeah
0: mm. since then continues Sean I've been delighted to hear your excellent and extensive coverage of the first two parts of the Night Trilogy uh, well in that case Sean will be very pleased to know that after Spiderman month we're doing Night's End yep yep I'm looking forward to Night's end. Uh, when we were discussing this the other day, I have discovered that digitally I have the aftermath issues.
1: Yeah.
0: That I don't have paper copies of. Oh, okay. So we can cover aftermath. Okay. And then a couple of months down the line, you want to do Prodigal. Yeah. And then a couple of months after that, you want to do Hush. So or our big Troika. Batman. Oh, do you not want to Do you want to do Troika? yeah okay well Troika's right, only four issues so I suppose we could do it as part of Prodigal but I was thinking as well we're, we're on the here, so we may cut this out okay I was thinking should we do the zero hour issues as well because they are really good uh,
1: the ones with all the different Batmans yeah the one where Alfred comes back yeah and he's fat fat Alfred he's
0: fat Alfred yeah yeah. alright then I was thinking we should do them as well okay. but we don't want to be a Batman podcast no, it's no we don't we, we decided we, that Night's Quest went on just a little bit too long yeah at eight weeks yep Perhaps that was a bit of overkill. It was only eight. It w- it seemed longer in it many did. ways. I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. And we got some good feedback on it, so the listeners enjoyed us doing it. But well, the, listeners well, the ones that, that got in it, touch yeah. with us, yeah, a whole, the whole slew
1: of listeners out there is going. God, are they still doing this? Yep. How is it just done oh do now Um
0: I wasn't as big a fan of the couch potato shows. But that is no knocking at your combined talents for being both funny and informative.
1: Are you sure he's listening to our show? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he actually paid attention for the couch potatoes one. The couch potatoes I enjoyed doing the couch potato one. He didn't do any work. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It was brilliant. You were right for us. But we, rock up,
0: we talk for 45 minutes. We throw the episode out there. Yep. We had summer well, off. It was brilliant. to <laughs> us. Uh, I remember reading these stories when they were coming out in the early 90s when I was in the heyday of my active comic book collecting. At the same time, I was keeping up with the semi concurrent Reign of the Superman storyline, which they're okay. currently doing on From Crisis to Crisis. Yeah. From Reign of the Superman's awesome. Mm-hmm. I really like Reign of the Superman A uh, funeral for a friend's still better. No, it's not. <laughs> Although I was, at the time, mostly a Marvel zombie, continues, Sean.
1: Yeah. I'd kept up
0: with the various DC books through Bloodlines and Zero Hour. Oh,
1: it didn't actually mean Marvel Zombies.
0: No, Marvel Zombies, the series, no. Yeah,
1: right. After There's a capital letter on zombie, I There think. is. There is. He's referring to himself
0: as a Marvel zombie oh, right. in the titular.
1: I thought he was just either a bad speller or was no. Marvel <laughs> Zombies?
0: <laughs> After which, I was more than a bit consumed by my compulsive reading of the now infamous clone saga... <laughs> Over in the Spider-Man books to stay in touch with the old DCU, we will be touching upon the Clone Saga in upcoming weeks. Thankfully, not all of it. Oh, I would love to do all of the Clone. I would love to see your face.
1: <laughs> What's he doing in the, the Clone is- the
0: Saga? But one of the things, Wander, uh, is a podcast entirely devoted to that. Well, it's going to run out. Called soon. Clone Saga Chronicles. Well, I don't know if they've put any new episodes out recently. No, oh, okay. But we have thought. maybe they decided how crap it is? It has its fans. Um, so we have, are wrong, they? The, well, no they're not, people are allowed to have their opinions. Even if they're wrong. Even if they're wrong. Uh, as evidenced by the fact that I still work with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have thought, lovely listeners, if you want to get in touch with us and say this, uh, at the moment we do this revolving random door thing. Do it? Yes, that we quite like doing, don't we? We have got a list here. Of upcoming topics, Uh we've had this list since Christmas, and about fifty percent of them didn't get done, did they? It's always changing. Yeah, it's always evolving and changing and stuff like that. But we have thought of stuff like there is really long runs we would like to talk about, isn't there? Like we'd love Mm -hmm. to do Preacher, we'd love to do Hitman. I'd love to do the Clone Saga just to see your brain explode. (laughs) at some of that
1: oh well let's do some Grant Morrison Batman as well well alright and what we've thought is maybe we should
0: change the show to be more segmented
1: yeah.
0: in homage <coughs> blatantly rip off <laughs> Comics Monthly Monday where they do segments they do a bit about well they used to do a bit about The Walking Dead they do that as a separate show now right. and then they do get Chris to read a superhero comic and then they do something else okay. would we be better doing segmented shows whereas we do an issue of Preacher an issue of Hitman issue of Clone Saga or would that get boring for us knowing what we're doing every week
1: uh, we, blah, blah, we could blah. do a segment for a run or two but for the rest of it carry on doing what we're doing yeah because it would stop us doing
0: eight weeks on one topic mm. which I suppose if you're not a Batman fan I mean I don't know such people that exist <laughs> uh, or at the very least you don't like oh, Night's Quest uh, I don't understand people who don't who exist who don't uh, like Night's Quest but eight weeks of that may have been a bit much for them yeah but anyway because well, really like Batman yeah well we really like Batman yeah. Uh, continuing with Sean's email which I, I derailed though now to answer a lingering mystery from the Mistress Freeze issue early in the Night's Quest saga I seem to recall that Mr Freeze mentioning of the Joker refers to the epic Batman 400 which is awesome mm. or as some might call it Nightfall version 1 which is very true is it? Batman 400 is Nightfall Okay. I just told in one issue and what's even funnier is Doug Mensch wrote it no. And he wrote most of Nightfall. So he's probably sat at home counting the money going, they want to pay me to write a story I've already written? Kuching. Uh, the story was the last appearance of Mr. Freeze in the pre-crisis Batman continuity. Now, I'm a little surprised you're not covering the Bloodlines annuals, as well sure, as the first not. Punisher-Batman crossover during your night's coverage. The annuals clearly occur during Jean-Paul Valley's reign as the Batman, whilst the Punisher story is clearly referenced by Jean-Paul during the Night's End storyline, although this reference might be more of a reflection of Asbat's insanity, as he's remembering events that took place outside of the normal DCU. Uh, we didn't cover them, because I don't have all the Bloodlines annuals. And the crap anyway. And, yeah, they were mostly pretty bad. And the ones I've read, and I've only got the second Batman Punisher team up, is where Bruce Wayne's Wayne? back in the, the suit. Yes, mm-hmm. so we may touch upon that when we do Night's End.
1: Just saying that Batman teamed up with Punisher.
0: Punisher team, but that's got excellent John Romita Jr. artwork, mm-hmm. which is worth mentioning. Uh, I really enjoyed the Christmas episode thank you very much but I have to correct one of the Hitman facts that Michael offered Sean Noonan was Pat's uncle not his father oh okay then just a minor quibble but one I felt needed to be corrected here's the future coverage of that series yes we'd love to do more Hitman won't we yeah we'd love to do more Hitman as it was my introduction to Garth Ennis and his somewhat skewed view of superheroes Uh, somewhat don't get me started on Garth Ennis and superheroes really the boys yeah you still buy. I don't mind the boys because he's not skewering Superman or Batman in that he's made what? these characters up, so he can do what the hell he likes. They're for them. obvious
1: analogues. Yes, though. they're
0: obvious analogues, but they're not really them. Okay. So I can give him, I can give him a pass for that. Anyway, to wrap up what has likely been a good bit of rambling, especially with our inane introduction, introductions, interruptions, with a question: Is the phrase "moving swiftly on" a Northern England colloquialism? I ask only because one of the other podcasts I listen to regularly is recorded in Bradford, and one of its hosts uses that phrase as well. Um, I don't know.
1: Do people outside England not use it? P- possibly not. Uh, okay.
0: I mean, we do say moving swiftly on quite a lot, don't we? But I don't know if it's specific to the north
1: of England. I know. Right? I don't know. You have to have a contract to uh, say it in the north of England. Apparently, probably where else. You need a permit. Yeah. Uh,
0: we don't know. Is the answer to that question, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of stumped us with that one. But who knows where these things come from? Mm. Yeah. Uh, our next email. Thanks for that, Sean. Uh, is from Kenneth Laster. Dear Michael and Andrew...
1: Now there's a man who knows how to write emails.
0: I was rereading the Batman Hush storyline today, moving swiftly on, and it had a mention of Chandra in it. Oracle brings her up as having a history-mending Bruce, but Alfred says that she was mental. Then Oracle says she got better. Okay, fair enough. So I was just going to prove Andrew wrong and give Michael a break. Sincerely, Kenneth the Boy Wonder. Well, we appreciate that, Kenneth. <laughs> in that way that we don't ever appreciate <laughs> me being proven <laughs> wrong. Um we want to do hush, don't we? Yep. It's on the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on the, the epic length list. And considering I think the show's only got two years of life in it, it's it's a pretty big list.
1: Yeah.
0: Because by then you'll have swanned off to college. Or university. We oh, have Skype. Yeah, we have Skype, I suppose. Um Christmas gifts. Is the next email from Luke Jackinetta. Hey there, Laylans. Hey there, Laylans. Yeah, I see how he cunningly gets around the whole yeah. Andrew Michael Michael Andrew thing. He's smart. Hey, smart. We need things to make us go. <laughs> Uh, Just want to send you a quick email so that I enjoyed your after Christmas episode with the recap of all your nerdy gifts you guys received. Which was all of them. I didn't receive any nerdy gifts, I just (laughs) received cool gifts. I just received the normal gifts that I get. I received the normal presents (laughs) that I receive. Uh, One of the great results of Geek Becoming Chic is there are lots of geek-tacular gifts available. Mm. As far as geeky gifts, my brother got me two 25th anniversary Cobra Bats from the G.I. Joe toy line. You may remember that as Action Force over there. No, No, we had Action Man. I don't remember G.I. Joe ever permeating British culture, but we had Action Man. We still have G.I. Joe now. Do we? Yeah. Do we not have Action Man anymore? Action Man was no. awesome. Action Man's died out. Has G.I. Joe's replaced it, yeah. Action Man was awesome. Action Man was a 12-inch doll, sorry, action <laughs> figure, uh, and with proper cloth costumes. And there was tons of different costumes that you could buy from. Essentially, it was Barbie for boys. Yeah. and I, um, I had a space one. Yeah, you could get like an astronaut suit for him. one where
1: you twist his legs around and press the button yeah. and it kicks him.
0: Uh, yeah. I had the uh, SAS outfit, yep. and I had a parachute action man that I used to throw out my bedroom window. I had and a and race car yeah. but I didn't have the race car. And there was tons of them, and guns, lots yeah. of guns that you could buy for him. So your brother would have loved that. Uh, and he had eagle eyes he had a little knob yeah, I a little pulled. knob <laughs> actually so threw he his pants off did. he didn't have a knob uh, he had a little um, button on the back of his head and if you moved it from right to left his eyes moved from right to left in that scurry well, captain's galaway. I remember
1: was wearing a skiing helmet and you could look through the back of his helmet like the Bionic Man yeah excellent so we had Action Man rather than Action Force
0: I don't remember maybe I was just too old for Action Force at that point he did
1: an animated series as well did they oh, I used to have him on videos. was it not G.I. Joe renamed no it was Action Man
0: ok fair enough I'll go with that. Uh, He also got a zombie t-shirt and Showcase Presents Sergeant Rock Volume 3. Oh, I bought that in America as well. Essential Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. That's not Sergeant Rock. No, it isn't, but it's a similar vein. It's tapping a similar vein. Uh, My father got me about a dozen miniature Godzilla dioramas. Oh, wow. That's awesome, isn't it? These go with the 50 or so I've received (laughs) over the last few years. (laughs) I used to imagine Luke's house is full of Godzillas. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, it would be better if you didn't like Godzilla yeah, that would be <laughs> hysterical
0: <laughs> if you didn't like Godzilla would keep them just getting by and things <laughs> I wonder yeah, if you saw that sort of comic book men
1: oh, yeah, did you true. see that one oh, yeah. when the guy brought the
0: Godzilla toy into the shop yeah. and they took it out of the box and said this tail's been snapped off mm-hmm. and he was like I don't know what you're talking about I don't know what you mean I may have, the, may yeah, have, and may have fixed
1: it in, when we went to Florida in the Toys R Us outlets they had a really cool Mecha Godzilla <laughs> yes they did yeah. Um, as evidenced by the fact that I have a Japanese giant
0: monster podcast, I have lots of Godzilla collectibles. He does Earth's Destructive Directive. We so must like Godzilla. Yes, though. which is good. Okay. Uh, it's on the Two True Freaks podcast. Wave. Feed. Whatever <laughs> you call that. want to try that again? Thing. No, I'm mm-hmm. going to leave it. Um, my father also got me the Inhumanoid Decompose, which completes my set of Inhumanoids, and at that point he's lost me. Yeah. He outgeeked me, though. I have no idea what inhumanoids are. You can go to my podcast website, earthdestructiondirective.blogscott.com, to find an episode I did on the inhumanoids. Ah, right, there you go. I see
1: what I did, though. If you want to
0: learn more about this series, Ah, very
1: clever. Yes.
0: Uh, My wife did not get me anything geeky, but she crocheted me an awesome cap. Okay. Good. As far as geeky gifts given, the best one I was a gift I gave to my wife a Wonder Woman, and I had to scroll down there and I had horrible visions I was going to see something that I didn't want (laughs) to say. A Wonder Woman (laughs) whip. A Wonder Woman lasso to tie him up with. Yeah. But in fact, no, it was a Wonder Woman canvas bag. Yeah. And our audience go, whew, thank you. Inside of which was <laughs> packed a two-pack of Wonder Woman, two-pack of Wonder Woman's <laughs> pint glasses. Oh, that was fortunate, wasn't it? Yeah. Linda Carter had a couple of... An awesome two-pack, didn't she? Uh, these go with the Iron Man pan glasses she got me a few years ago. My wife is not a comic book fan per se, but she does read the Wonder Woman stuff I get her as gifts, so she seemed to really like the Amazonian double gift. Good. She says she likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she does.
1: Oh.
0: Uh, anyway, thanks. Looking forward to hearing more from you crazy podcasters in the new year. Luke. Thanks, Luke. I think we'll be hearing from Luke again at some point in the future. Probably. We haven't um, to a Michael Bailey one yet, so... Oh, no, I've saved all them for the end. Oh, have you? Because Michael writes awesome email. Okay. Michael gives awesome email. Michael writes... That and the fact that Michael emails my proper email address and not the yeah. show. Well... So I always forget that they're there until the end. Michael emails <laughs> his novel-length email. He does, they're brilliant. Okay. I love Michael's emails. I love everybody's emails. Uh, speaking, speaking of... of podcast whoring. See, speaking of my podcast whoring, relaunch month-ish uh, from Mr. Stephen Lacer, who I do fantastic cast with... Have you listened to our show yet? No. No? Do you listen to this show? No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Stephen said, it's about time I got time to write... Oh, it's about time I got around to writing this email. Oh, no, this
1: is the talk email.
0: Hey, guys. Steve from the 20-Minute Longbox here with a bit of feedback on your relaunch month episode. Did I not mention that he's a 20-Minute box as well? I think he does 20-Minute
1: oh, right, okay. He told me anyway. He spoke to me
0: the other day. Did he? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, some of them, at least... First of all, woo! A Daredevil episode. And you chose the first Daredevil issue I ever read, the Smith Quizzard at number one. I first found the Guardian Devil thread paper back in the teen section at Gloucestershire Library in the early 2000s. I picked it up solely on the basis of Kevin Smith's name. I remember there was an introduction written by Ben Affleck, uh, which talked of his love for Daredevil. at yeah. the conclusion of the DD Bullseye fight after the death of Electra completely changed his views when it came to reading comics.
1: He only says he loves Daredevil because he was in the film. He hadn't heard of him before the film
0: you reckon far below. Okay. as one of the first stories I ever read in comics I really enjoyed it it gave me a great introduction to the character one I'm still buying today you talk about the wordiness of the book and it's something Smith himself refers to in his introduction to the Green Arrow Quiver trade paperback I really liked Quiver mm. I really liked Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow Okay. and the Brad Meltzer stuff that followed it just not his Batman stuff and wrote. then I didn't mind his Batman stuff when he poops himself well that's just a bit silly but then I dropped Green Arrow yeah. like a hot potato why Judd Winnick took over writing yeah, it right. Um, it makes me stay with the issue book longer and when done well it opens up the characters more to me as for the recent number one I think it's one of the best comics I've ever bought you guys covered its greatness I just want to point out the double page spread in the backup story where Matt and Foggy walk through the streets of New York and various sources of things that trigger Matt's senses are highlighted I spent ages on this page just lapping up the detail and it helps that Marcos Martin's art was absolutely gorgeous yes we liked that yes we did moving on to Punisher number one I rather like this version of the character although I admit it like I've only read the Welcome Back Frank trade paperback the dark OTT humour initially worked well for the character and Dylan's art kept things reasonably well grounded you talk about how Ennis should never write superheroes and I will agree that he has a good deal of contempt for the concept of heroes and superpowers however this occasionally yields some interesting surprises in the Ennis written Punisher ongoing that came between Welcome Back Frank and Max there was an issue that consisted pretty much of the Punisher kicking Wolverine's arse up and down New York using the ridiculousness of his healing factor and ability to take punishment as a weapon against him yes. I think I might
1: have read that one I, I think,
0: think I might have read I've that read one the
1: dirt, the and Steve I Steve thought it was
0: dumber than dirt I've
1: read the Steve Dillon Deadpool versus Wolverine one and is that any good where they both have healing factors so it both lasts forever yeah, Wolverine's healing factor is just a
0: cartoon it's now it's
1: enjoyable it? for three issues until Dakin shows up
0: <laughs> is he his son yep yeah. Well, it used to be when Byrne and Clermont were on X Men, yeah. Byrne has said that if you held Wolverine's head underwater long enough, he would drown because his healing factor couldn't kick in to compensate from the lack of oxygen yeah. if you could hold him there for long enough. And now it's, it's it kind of get cut in half
1: now, and he, he lost he just, his head, and yeah. he grows the bottom in half the, of his body again. The Ultimate Comics Hulk rips yeah, Hulk, Hulk him rips him, apart. him in half, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> and he gets it, and then Nick Fury cuts his head off puts it on a table then separates the rest of his body puts it in a vault somewhere and talks to him it's just his head
0: that's just stupid on so many levels yeah anyway moving swiftly on it's obvious from reading this issue that Ennis hates Wolverine and relished giving him the treatment he feels he deserves of course the Wolverine writer of the time and he thinks it was Frank Tierra then had to take two issues of the Wolverine title to redress the balance yep yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have minded a Wolverine issue where he just puts his claws through Frank Castle's eyes. I'd, I'd be amused by that.
1: Looks like we're getting Frank and Castle early. Yeah, I, and I quite
0: like the Punisher but I'm getting more and more I'm getting to the point where the Punisher should just be kept away from the superhero population because there is no Harry's way...
1: suggested for mature titles. Yeah. That like me, the Ennis that?
0: stuff. Yeah. Because there's no way
1: you can justify them
0: working with him. Daredevil would not work with the Punisher. Spider-Man would not work with the Punisher. We've all read Civil War.
1: Yeah. And even if that's the only thing you like about Civil War, Captain America kicking Punisher's ass was justified.
0: But I like that the Punisher respects Captain America because he was in the military.
1: Yeah.
0: And therefore he respects Chain of Command. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I think, I don't know for certain, but doesn't Captain America outrank Frank Castle? Does he? Yeah. Right. Uh, Stephen continues. I really enjoyed the Justice League episode. Couple of notes. As I'm sure has been pointed out, Kyle was Green Lantern for 10, not 20 years. Hal returned partly for the reasons you stated, but also due to the dwindling sales on Kyle's book, which withered under its final writer, Ben Raab, and also due to his mar- marginalisation in the DC universe, where he was replaced on the Justice League, both the book and the cartoon, by John Stewart. No love for the post-Infinite Crisis Brad Meltzer Justice League number one. I would have enjoyed your views on Meltzer's multi-narrator storytelling devices, which seemed to fail The Tornado's Path as a way of telling that story. I found The Tornado's Path really hard to follow. Did you? Yeah. When I first read it, I was like, I don't understand who any of these people are, because I they just it. kept
1: calling Bruce and Ollie. No, I understood it. Well. I liked
0: it much more second time, really. But
1: I prefer The Lightning Saga to it. Yeah, I think
0: I like The Lightning Saga
1: more. And you know, I only read Brad Meltzer's issue zero the other day. Did you? Yep, because we, we sk- in the British reprints where we read it from, it cut straight to issue one. Did it? And we didn't get issue zero. Right. So I was I've got it. issue zero, I remember, haven't I? Yeah. So I was reading it there before we went on holiday and looking through this and this is really good. Yeah. But Meltzer's run works better if you read it all together.
0: Mm. A single issue So what the hell's going on? Anyway. Keep up the good work. Can't wait for the strangely familiar nothing but the 90s. Would there be any room to cover some Hitman? Your show is fantastic. We've
1: we some hitman. we covered so Hitman. Unless you've got these emails in the wrong order. I possibly have got
0: these emails in the wrong order, but we'd like to do some more Hitman. Mm. Uh, the next email, Dr. J and Roundball, is from the aforementioned Luke Jacket. I told you'd be back. Ah. Listening to the Secret Walls episode, I just wanted to mention that Dr. J is Dr. Julius Irving, a legendary basketball player who helped define the modern style of the game and round ball is an urban euphemism for basketball.
1: How can you have a modern style of basketball? I thought it was, right, you run down the pitch, you dribble and you shoot. I don't know because... Was it different before this, Dr. J? I don't watch basketball. That was basketball, in Florida? Did you? Okay, it was the girls' high school basketball. (laughs) Followed by the girls' high school volleyball, followed by the girls' the girls' diving, followed by the girls' baseball, which wasn't too interesting.
0: <laughs> oh, topless volleyball!
1: <laughs> um, as Roadie is of
0: course oh, black, gun.
1: he was required
0: by gym shooter to talk in urban euphemism euphemisms. Right, because we didn't know what the hell Doctor J was and what was round ball. Yeah, we thought it may have been softball, which so, is so their version of round. What he
1: was saying is because he was black, he had to say damn a lot. Yeah, damn. Damn, girl, you
0: is ha! <laughs> that kind
1: of thing. Right. Yeah. Doom queues for no man!
0: Made me laugh so hard I almost hit get to death on my apple. So I hope you're happy.
1: You're right, Doom doesn't queue for anyone. You know how long the queue was on the Doctor Doom ride? How long? Ten minutes was maximum. You just walk right in. <laughs> I met Doctor Doom. I met Doctor Doom. I cowered before Doctor I saw Green Goblin in the Fantastic as well. I, I, I had my picture to him with the Green Goblin. Oh, I saw you cowering in front of Did Doctor
0: Doom. I cowered before him. It's
1: hilarious. It's a good photo, that. <laughs> um,
0: I hope you're happy. We're very happy that we caused you to choke on your apple. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to lose a listener, obviously. But at least he was eating healthily. Yes. So I, I approve of that. Uh, by the way, Iron Man has had roller skates in his boots since the Silver Age. Yeah, it's how we got around and he had
1: rockets on the back, I think. Oh,
0: they still come up now and again, believe it or not. The idea being that Shellhead can use the roller skates and repulsors in his hands to propel yeah, himself very quickly when his boot jets are not working or he is low on power. I'm providing this information as your resident Iron Man expert. It's in the Iron Man There's a part omnibus. of me that thinks that's awesome and there's a part of me that thinks that's Batman and Robin. Well, compare... Where
1: the, the ice yeah. things come out of the boots. Well, compare the Iron Man omnibus... To say Matt Fractions Invincible Iron Man. Not read Matt Fractions Invincible. It's very Iron Man, good. Is it? Mm. Say a word for that.
0: Uh, I have to say the Wasp was sort of obsessed with Shoes and Her at this point. Digging uh, the Secret Wars stuff, dudes, keep it up, Luke. Uh, Secret Wars wasn't very popular. Was it? Yeah. Secret Wars itself wasn't, however. Our episodes of Secret Wars have done marginally better than anything else we've done. Even Star Wars? So, yes. So, we need to do What's Secret Wars goes? 2 at some point. <laughs> Star Wars was our best one. Star Wars is? performed. Uh, no, Nightfall and Night's Quest overtook Star Wars. Oh, right. And Secret Wars actually is. I think Secret the Secret Wars 3 is some of our highest downloaded and listened to episodes. Is it not
1: because everyone saw. They just say Secret Wars, right? <laughs> well, they couldn't believe that we were covering yeah. it. They were like, I thought only yeah, I remembered that. <laughs> okay, So we did all show the same bad nightmare. Uh, James, just, like, just like Crystal Skull. Sorry, I, I didn't know you'd finished. No, I, uh, I, I can carry on. You were shoe-on
0: in your I Hate Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull gag again, weren't you? I was, yeah. Because you, you have a hard time accepting that I don't mind Crystal Skull. I like the first 30 minutes a lot. And okay. then it's boring as hell when he's just explaining the plot to Sheila LaBeouf. The buff. And then it's a bit better for the rest of the film. He will never be Yorick. And you will never... God, he's not Indiana Jones Jr. either. Uh, Secret Wars is the title of the next email from Dave Walker. Him again. Hey, guys. Thanks for covering the first proper trade paperback I ever got. Well, he's very yeah, well. The same one. Yeah, he's very well. I'm glad that we could liaise in that way uh, to do... Oh, wait a minute. It was just dumb luck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's the way <laughs> our show works. Exactly what the graphic novel he had. Yes. Uh, just
0: a few questions. Well, we did mention what we were reading it from, because I picked that up for about five or off eBay, didn't I? I didn't mm. pay a lot of money for that.
1: You're not paying to buy any omnibus? no. Mm. Have you seen in what? No, because
0: it's going to be in the thing we've subscribed to. Uh, yeah. they're doing secret wars have that? you
1: seen the two graphic novels in Waterstones where the first secret wars is the Alex Ross cover and the second one is an Ed McGuinness cover
0: no I've not seen that
1: That's quite good oh, right. the Ed McGuinness different cover printings of and the thread paperback look into it yeah right and right. then I looked inside it and it was
0: crap thanks for go oh, I've just mentioned that but just a few questions for you says Dave firstly Andrew did you say Captain America has an Edmantium shield really I don't remember <laughs> at this point uh, Michael feel free it's to go and tell Andrew that Cap shield is Vibranium Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, that's kind of important, especially if you like the story that spins out of what happens to the shield in the series. Also, does Wolverine not have a little bit of super strength? I mean, he's walking around with metal bonded to his skeleton. That's got to be heavy. And he's jumping around with it. And of he's course. throwing Colossus about. And he's throwing Colossus about, yeah. No, Colossus throws Wolverine. Sorry, Fastball special. Um, of course, it might just be really light, but ridiculously strong, but I'm not sure if anything's been said about that in the comics. Finally, does it really matter if the World War II events of Captain America and Wolverine have been written at this point? Wolverine has the whole amnesia thing going for him at this point, but feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, firstly... I kind of knew the vibranium thing, but I thought at some point it had been changed that Cap's shield was now Admantium.
1: Yeah, because I thought it was made out of the same thing Wolverine. Yeah,
0: so it so could it be entirely that possible that... It's changed. I've right. got that wrong, or it's changed and then changed back. I know it's vibranium in the movie, Yeah, but that could be A, because they're adapting the old comics, or B, because
1: Wolverine is owned by 20th Century Fox, Yeah, they can't use Admantium. So oh, you see what they did to... I- to- Captain America's shield in Iron Man 2 no. I mean just recently watched that so he's building his arc reactor thing mm. and we've all seen his shield in the first one right the second one he's all taking it to bits and he's, it's like looks like plastic and he uses it as a paperweight oh that's cack hmm Perhaps he'll explain that in the Avengers.
0: Uh, Wolverine having a bit of super strength. I don't know about that. I don't I, recall. I think he did. Does he? I don't recall it ever mentioning Wolverine has super strength. Okay, not super strength, but I don't know he's fairly strong. Well he, well, he must be fairly strong, as Dave points out. He's walking around with a ton of admantium lacing his skeleton. Yeah. So, presumably, that does imply he's stronger than the average bird. And he's ripping faces off uh, sentinels. Yeah, with his claws. Mm. But I, I never got the impression Wolverine was any stronger than, say, Batman or Captain America. Yeah. That kind of thing. He's certainly not in Thor's Power League.
1: No.
0: I wouldn't have thought. Probably not even the things. Uh, and regarding World War II, uh, no, continuity-wise, it doesn't really matter at all. We were just pointing it out, weren't we? Yep. Obviously, it's been retcon since that Wolverine knew Cap in the war, whereas at the time Secret Wars was written... that didn't. They'd, they'd, no, he didn't. But at the time Secret Wars was written, had they established that Wolverine was that old? I don't know that they had. I don't know. So that's another thing. It's just a continuity thing. We just felt like he wasn't it. Out. James Watts's face at the time. He still isn't James Watts's face. <laughs> James Hewlett.
1: Does he draw for the gorillas? He does.
0: He draws, he draws album <laughs> covers for the gorillas. As always, in the battle between the two heroes, it will always be a draw, as something will always come up that they will have to deal with before a true victor can be established. Apart from all that, I thought I'd tell you about a new Avengers comic that I found yesterday that you, Andrew, and you, Michael, might like. It's written by Grant Morrison and has already been released by Boom Studios, and it's Steed and Mrs. Peel, oh, right. which is
1: a reprint. Yeah, It's not it, a new comic. It used to be three issues, and now they've padded it up to be six
0: have they? No, mm. right. P.S. What do you think of Michael Bailey getting himself killed on Castle? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care. it. Um, it took me out of the episode. Why? Because you knew you were Michael Bailey. Because I knew I knew Michael Bailey, yeah. So every time he said his name, the victim of the week in that episode of Castle that Dave is referring to was Michael Bailey. Right. Nothing to do with Michael Bailey. Right. He just happened to have the same name. But every time he said his name, I kept going, Michael Bailey's dead <laughs> and he just kept taking him out of the He jumped to Facebook Yeah on the one hand it was funny yeah. but on the other it, it did keep taking him out of the story yeah. so and next it's another le- uh, another email from Luke Giaconetti so it's becoming the day of Luke Giaconetti day of Luke Giaconetti show yeah. at this point uh, Iron Man's armor in Secret Layson Wars one, Steve probably. Letty pops up every now and again yeah. hi guys Mister. Oh, this time he's gone for here Mr and Master Leyland yeah. I approve all Mr. Mr. Really at what time do you become Mr I don't know is it 16 or 18 I don't know I don't remember not 18. I don't. Know, maybe. I hey guys. Mr. Byner was 16. Possibly. Says Luke. Just wanted to make a quick comment regarding Reed Richards removing Iron Man's arm from his armor as discussed in the second episode of your Secret Wars coverage. Michael makes the remark that this could not be possible because Iron Man's armor used a liquid metal to create the golden, <coughs> excuse me, parts of his arm and leg armor, so it would come off in the manner depicted. But Michael, you're wrong. Yes. Well, well, I love Luke because he's always doing that to you. Yeah. Uh, well, as the biggest Iron Man fan I know. <laughs> I like that! It's the biggest fireman i ever found out, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I can assure the young Leylands that it was not quite the case at this point in time. Um. Iron Man's classic red and gold, as Rodi is wearing in Secret Wars, did in fact feature collapsing parts of the arm on the gold sections. However, it was not liquid metal, but instead a super strong steel mesh alloy. Under normal circumstances, oh, yeah, the you steel could fold mesh. It and yes, do yeah. yes, you remember now? Yeah. Under normal circumstances, the steel mesh was as soft and flexible as fabric, but when an electric current was applied to it, such as when armoured up, the mesh would polarise, causing it to be as hard as the red, hard parts of the armour. Even though he could still move his arms about. Yeah. This is why Tony Stark's attaché case always showed just the helmet, gauntlets and boots. The golden mesh was hidden inside the other parts and would be extended using magnets. The liquid metal concept would eventually be used, but by this point in the 80s we hadn't gotten there yet, so Reed could have indeed taken the armoured arm off this has been your daily dose of inane Iron Man knowledge. <laughs> uh, well, if your memory serves, I did say to you, are you absolutely positive about that? Well, Okay, I forgot that it was... Yes. Well, up. no, in your defence, they have changed it so much. Yeah. And it isn't so one of those things... changed it yeah. The issue. And you've not grown up reading it, you've read it all as one big clump. Yeah. So you could have read a story from 1982 and then read a story from
1: 1986. I read the first omnibus and then the load that you had from the Yeah, MCU. so... There's a huge gap. Well, Those really good two issues where Bruce Banner comes up to me yes. and says, Do you have any uh, tech to stop me from turning into the Hulk? So he did stop turning into the Hulk, but he was Bruce Banner with the strength as the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. That's good.
0: So thank you for that, Luke. It's always nice to prove Michael wrong. Uh, very much enjoying your courage of secret wars and I hope to be able to track down a copy of the trade in the near future. Thanks to the illustrious Andy. I think that's talking about me. I didn't know it was illustrated. <laughs> am, I, am I a Ray Bradby book now? Uh-huh. Uh, I was able to finally read Crisis on Infinite Earths recently. Thanks oh, again, mate. Sentiment. Yes, I gave him my Crisis. And so it is only natural to want to post secret Wars along with that. I did pick up a copy of Contest of Champions, which predates both, but that book always seems to be forgotten about. I'm guessing because it did not have a toy line, nor did it wipe out and reboot an entire universe. But them's there's the breaks. Keep up the good work on the show, Luke. Thanks, Luke. He thoroughly enjoyed his Crisis on Infinite Earths book. Did I? He did a blog about it. Oh, okay. it was very interesting reading. Oh, okay, I hardly encourage you. Like encouraging... it more than I did. What Crisis on Infinite Earths? Do you not like Crisis on Infinite
1: Earths? I do like Be it. Be careful what you say; you may find yourself homeless. I've said this before. I do like it. I just <laughs> because of its writing style.
0: You think Marv Wolfman's an oldie fashioned writer, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I'm mixed on Marv Wolfman when he's good he's very very good and when he's bad he's horrid yeah okay. like the girl with the curl uh, Luke Giaconetti got back to us again Secret Wars episode 3 it proved me wrong again yes probably Gia Leyland's young and old oi <laughs> yeah. less of the old dude I just finished listening to your third episode of the Secret Wars series. Even as over-the-top as this series seems to be, I'm really enjoying listening to your coverage of it, and this is really making me want to read this book. It's a classic, silly, beat-em-up sort of story, the big, dumb superhero brawl, which is a great comic book trope. Um, Yeah, I think we decided I liked Secret Wars more than you did. Mm. It's enjoyable in its silliness. It's nowhere near as good as Crisis on Infinite Earths, but it's fun in its own way in a very bad way yeah speaking of big dumb superhero brawl comics I just read Contest of Champions which of course predates the Secret Wars the Marvel's finest collected edition of that story has yet to fix the insane goof in that series I think Andy will know what I'm referring to here so Marvel not correcting the various colour mistakes in Secret Wars would not really surprise me Uh, no actually I don't I I don't know what he's going on about because I've never read Contest of Champions okay uh, get in touch with me and tell me what you're on about. Uh, for what it's worth, Consist of Enchantment is almost none of the introspection of Secret Wars. No time for that when we need to rush to the next round of the battle, after all. Andy, you said you like the covers which led directly to the first page of the story. I like this as well, and one of my favourite examples is Excalibur fifty five. Not only does the cover lead directly into the story, but the cover is numbered page zero and there's an editor's note which says the issue is so full of action they have no room for a cover. This was the first issue of Excalibur I ever bought and remains one of my favourite covers from the series. Yeah, that was an Alan Davis one, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, the first issue is the splash page, and then the story starts on the next page and just the keeps going. The first issue was the, the first splash- page, yeah. sorry. The cover yeah. was the splash page. Yeah, I do make some kind of sense at the time. Regarding James Rhode going a little megalomaniacal, that actually did happen in the Iron Man series. Essentially, the red and gold armour which Rhodey wore was created by Tony Stark for Tony Stark, and wearing the armour gave Rhodey a lot of headaches and such due to a brainwave mismatch. Why, yes, this is a comic book. As Rhodey wore the armour longer, he got more erratic and aggressive. Later, he'd become increasingly paranoid and violent. Eventually, Rhodey was cured of these problems thanks to a vision quest of sorts with Shaman from Alpha Flight. So Rhodey's arrogance and aggression here is actually in character. Oh, good. Mm. Good, good, good. If Dr. Doom was on Big Brother, I might actually watch it. <laughs> I was dying when you guys got on that kick. <laughs> it was funny. I, I was... I, I, we amused... Yeah, we were funny. We, no, I don't mean... I mean, we amused ourselves with that, didn't yeah. we? It was quite quite humorous. Uh, we didn't want it to get boring, so we haven't done it much since. We don't want another... Swear to me! We <laughs> were, uh, we're yeah. for
1: eight weeks. We just kept repeating that That's gag. I we got an email telling tell to tell us... Stop
0: it! Part. It's not funny anymore! It's a little bit funny. No! <laughs> tiny, tiny bit funny. No! <laughs> Miss tischbucker has got her own place. <laughs> Otisburg. Sorry, I, I turned into Lex Luther. Thanks again for reading Secret Wars. You're very welcome. I'm very interested in checking out this classic Marvel series after listening to your take on it. Classic. Yes. Luke. Our next email is from Steve Goebel. Thanks, Andy and Michael. I really enjoyed reliving Secret Wars through your podcasts. You guys are scathing in such a fun way. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. There's another T-shirt. Hey, Scathing, in a, scathing in a fun way. <laughs> Uh, not sure I can read Doctor Doom again without hearing all his third person dialogue in your voice. <laughs> I this humorous. Um, um, this, uh, I would feel really bad, but in a really good way, if I found I had ruined Doctor Doom <laughs> yeah, for so many people. For years, The all thought he sounds like James Earl Jones with <laughs> a very deep, booming bad guy voice, and now he sounds like this tart from the north of England. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> oh dear me uh, thanks to you for the plug and kind words and for indeed correctly pronouncing my surname best wishes Steve uh, it was the blog that I found all the um, Secret Wars stuff on from the UK oh, okay. that I was reading and going I remember that I remember that I didn't know that and I spent an entire <laughs> afternoon reading that when I should have been doing something more interesting but anyway X-Men is the next email from Luke Giaconetti. Uh, hey. Luke. Howdy, Leyland. Howdy, Luke. I don't know where Luke's from. I don't know if okay. he's a Texan, but... I don't <laughs> think that accent with anywhere <laughs> remotely qualifies as Texan. No. <laughs> Accents and me. Yeah. Like oil and water. And yet we continue to mix. Mm.
1: Badly. Like an emulsion.
0: Yes. Uh, just finished listening to a very entertaining
1: X-Men episode. Well, Michael's wrong again. Were you? Yeah what were
0: you wrong about I don't know oh you're just a, you're anticipating yeah. Luke saying that you're wrong excellent get used to it <laughs> like most comic fans I read them in the 90s starting right around issue 300 of Uncanny oh I started 100 issues before him did, did you yeah I started around 200 no no 170 something I started no. so, uh, maybe I'm a bit older than Luke <laughs> Um, I followed them for a while, but eventually gave up on them because, frankly, most of it was just not entertaining. Even personal favourite Excalibur, which I had read long before I started reading the other X-Men books, got swept up into the general crumminess of the mutant titles from this era after Alan Davis finished his run. Later on, I would read the Lee and Kirby stuff, and those original X-Men stories are just much more fun than the 90s ones. This has become my favourite era of X-Men as a team, although to be fair, I've not read nearly enough of the post-giant-size era to really make a fair assessment of that era. Now, the X-Men just sort of exist in their own Marvel universe, and I can't make heads and tails of any of it. The only X-Men stuff I've read in the last decade, which I enjoyed, was Nightcrawler's short-lived but excellent solo series, and then the miniseries series Kingbreaker, which was a tie into Annihilation Conquest, starring Havoc and Polaris, and generally had nothing to do with the mainline X-Men books. Not read any of them. Nope. I've not read an X-Men book for years, have I? I tried. Was it Extinction Agenda? I don't know. What was the one that was running in the X-Men Messiah. British messiah 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 complex yeah i tried that didn't i mm-hmm. and after about eight issues i thought this isn't for me
1: the only x-men runs i've read is new x-men astonishing x-men oh yeah whedon's run and the pocket pocketbooks i have whedon's run's good yeah uh, the movies were generally a better,
0: more enjoyable form of entertainment than the comics <laughs> for me, with the first two both being very good. Okay, the second one being very good. The first one's good for the first two thirds. Yeah. And then the last third lets it down because it obviously doesn't have any budget. Mm. And they run out of money. So doesn't, uh, isn't it Joss Whedon who said the entire last third of that movie takes place in the gift shop? <laughs> <laughs> so there being a big confrontation oh, yeah. between Magneto and the X-Men. They're fighting out in the little shop that you go through after you've got off the ride. Yeah. Um, third X Men film had all six original X Men in it, but amazingly enough, they never appeared on screen together. And it was crap. Amazingly yeah. enough, they didn't appear in a good film either. <laughs> anyway, I liked hearing both of the comments. Ellen Page is the best thing. Ellen in that Page film. is the best thing in that film, and why Hugh Jackman's not gone? Ellen, you, me, Wolverine, Kitty Pride movie now. <laughs> Why the hell he's not done that? I do don't He's know. singing in Australia. He is. Anyway, I liked hearing both of the commentaries on both issues. The Kids Pride issue is a sort of an iconic story from the era. I know that I've seen the cover and heard reference to it many times, even though I've not read it. As far as the Morrison issue, I remember Wizard magazine falling all over themselves to heap praise on it, and that run in general, including showing the panel of the fetuses fighting. I also remember my response being one of confused scepticism, which your comments seem to burr out wrong an, again. No, you're not. Know, it's a personal opinion. Uh, regarding the R-rated movie, the rating means restricted under 17 without parent or guardian. Legally, Kitty could have seen Alien with her parents, of course. She could have just gone with some older-looking friends as well. Right around my seventh birthday, my father took my brother, who was two years older than me, and I had to see a double feature of Predator and Robocop. This night shaped my taste in film and other media for pretty much the rest of my life. That sounds like a cool double, though. So, seventh birthday, saw Predator and Robocop. Predator... And Robocop came out in eighty five. No, No, I'm not on about the ratings. Oh, you're on about how old he is. So if he was only seven in nineteen eighty five, yeah, I'm nearly ten years older than him then. Yeah. God that depresses me. (laughs) What, how old you are? Yeah. Well (laughs) I'm six years older than him. So not nearly ten then? No. I presume he was born around 1978-ish then. I mean, if it's a Predator Robocop double bill, it could have been in in the late 80s, for all I know.
1: Mm.
0: For all I know, it could have been born in 1990, and that would really depress me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, My God, but Andy's rant was suitably epic. Well, thank you very much. Uh, You'll get no argument from me about Morrison and Quittley. I don't get them either. So there you go. (laughs) Somebody on my side. You're allowed to like them, you know. There's, there's no edict been passed saying that you must not like Grant Morrison because your dad doesn't like them.
1: Oh, because that's what I'm starting to feel from living around you.
0: No, no, no. You, you like what you like. Did I did I or did you not buy Batman Incorporated while we were on holiday? You did. It's not Frank quickly though. Did I or did I not allow you to purchase Flex <laughs> Ventala?
1: With my money. Well. You didn't buy me though. You said you would. Excuse me? You said you'd buy it, man. but you didn't. Where did you get your money from? Where did you get your money from?
0: I work for a living.
1: Where does work get
0: their money from? You freeloading from? scumbag. Where did you get your holiday money from? Who gave you your holiday I money? Had, I had. Answer the question. I had £120 of my own. Yes. Did I make you take that? No, but... Who gave you your holiday money? Your work. Thank you, but... <laughs> I'm taking you outside. and smacking you. <laughs> uh, in the south... No, he really is. We have a saying...
1: we? stop it! <laughs>
0: In the south, I just broke his nose. <laughs> we have a saying that if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Also, oh, maybe he's a southerner. Yeah, okay. So maybe he's from Texas. Uh, so I was glad to hear that your darling wife liked your issue better. I also liked Angela's imitation of Michael. <laughs> it was funny. It was, all right. it was very funny. <laughs> Keep up the good work, lads. Luke, thanks, Luke. <laughs> Your mum's impression of you was top-notch. Okay. It has to be Let's said. Move on. Uh, the next email is called The Podcasting Teen Titans. It's from Kenneth Laster. Hey, Michael and Andrew. Uh, Michael and Andrew. Alphabetically, I come first. <laughs> I know you guys won't read this for a while he's probably right, I don't know when he sent this (laughs) but I would like to join Michael and Scotty in podcasting the next generation since I would be the youngest I could be the less emo and Damien like Damien we could join up for a podcast, doesn't matter what it could be my little pony for a liker the teen podcasting titans brigade the next generation shall thrive live long and Uh, prosper, Kenneth Lester
1: about that
0: (laughs) no no no, I I presume that came after we'd mentioned that you were doing one with Scotty Right. Um, basically Kenneth that's nothing to do with me It's Scotty arranged it all. Michael said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Um, I showed up. I spoke for two hours. I left. Yeah, he he released it while we were on holiday. Quite recently. Didn't he? So two or three weeks ago, he actually, Scotty got around to putting it up. While we were... time. Yes. While we were in Florida, you met Scotty. Yeah. And he said, you both need to do another one. Yeah. So what I suggest Kenneth does, get you to the Two True Freaks forum, sign up, keep your eye on the... um, is it called Two True Freaks The Next Generation Thread? Yeah. Which it's, is in... It's
1: the under the Two True
0: Freaks. Under the Two True Freaks thread there's a Two True Freaks The Next Generation thread. Get on that and the next time Scotty and Michael record, <laughs> put your head forward and say, oh, excuse me, can I play? And I'm sure they'll say yes. Okay. Won't you? Yeah. Yeah. More the merrier. Mm. That's what they always say, isn't it? More the merrier. Especially when talking about orgies. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! is the next email from Gabriel Jimenez! Hey, Gabe! Uh, Gabriel <laughs> was the guy who came up with uh, sufficiently silly.
1: Did you not call our accents
0: funny? No, but I don't mind that. Oh, okay. I don't mind our accents being funny to somebody who lives in another country. Okay. Everybody's accent's funny to people who are in other countries. I don't have an accent. <laughs> you don't hear uh, hello hey kids comics hey see what Gabriel did yeah very clever and <laughs> around it uh, no, I like that it okay. uh, cuts out any arguments
1: Hey hey kids comics
0: hey just a quickie now, I'm currently listening to Superman grounded part 2 and as usual enjoying your show thank We're you very not much grounded uh, very excited to hear about Michael doing the podcast by himself with Scotty I've never heard Scotty before I'm not aware if he's ever been on a show with his dad or not he's been on a couple yeah they did the diehard commentary at Christmas
1: okay it
0: was really good uh, and the threat. <laughs> In, in speech, Mark. Uh, Michael, loose and unhinged, is promising indeed. Uh. A bit of heard feedback. Of it yet. I've not heard all of it yet. I've listened to the beginning. Uh, a bit of feedback on previous episodes really like the Secret Wars review I have a soft spot for that series and more than willing to let go all of the leaps of logic inconsistencies, and such for some of the great iconic scenes we get from it love the Hulk holding up a mountain and I think Doom is at his best here as for the Hulk focus Doom think so too <laughs> <laughs> Doom likes this as for the Hulk focus the first comic reviewed was a hoot to hear I was thrilled to hear of Groot as I love his appearances in the Guardians of the Galaxy and I think one of the other monsters appeared in a monster version of the Fantastic Four headed by Thing, Fang Foom not too long ago. That was a lot of fun. As for the other Hulk comic, well, I really, really dislike what I read of that run of Hulk. I'm not at all a fan of Jeff Loeb and the very idea of Rulk, Red She-Hulk, A-Bomb, and all those other characters plain upset me.
1: That's I dropped out no, of comics before that concluded
0: and I can't say I'd be interested in finishing it off. Hearing that you guys liked it so much makes me realise I was simply not the intended audience for that story, like most of Marvel and DC as of late.
1: Well, let's see, give it a go. That's one of the best Hulk runs Yeah, because
0: I would have said that... That it was not for me because I don't it's dislike just, Jeff Loeb as a writer at all. I think when he's on form right well, I think when he's on form he's great. And then there are other times where he's not on form, Ultimate 3 yeah. where he's not, not great. I've heard from you yeah. and I've now got the feeling I don't need to read it. Nah. But my wife bought me the Red Hulk Green Hulk Omnibus and um Sorry, I really really liked it. I really enjoyed that story it's big dumb fun superheroics. and if you like Secret Wars I really do think you may like Red Hulk I mean there is I don't know about that I mean there is the thing that if you just don't like Loeb's writing yeah then you're just not going to enjoy it there's no
1: writing in it yeah, there he is. Might it's a just well. Said, hey, Ed, I've got 22 pages
0: it's... of two Hulk. So I don't and... agree. It's a well constructed story where the mystery of who the Red Hulk is makes sense when you go back and reread it. With one caveat, which is, well, I can't say for people who don't know who the Red Hulk is, but it's worded that. Ruined thing. it anyway. So, but other than that, I oh, really, yeah. I really dug right, on it. Right. An awful lot of it is 22 pages of fighting. Yeah, but it's not. I, I dug on it. Uh, I don't want to sound overly bitter so I'll end here keep up the great work guys Gabriel thank you P.S. I've downloaded some two True Freaks episodes where Andrew shows up and I'm looking forward to that oh good I hope you enjoy them um, our next email at this point what had I done I uh, I've not done that many two True Freaks I did the Indiana Jones one with them buying Man Man Return of the Jedi I think that's it isn't it yeah. oh no I did Dead Set with Chris Yeah. go and listen to the Dead Set Walking Dead one we did that's brilliant even okay. your mum's listened to that I've it's brilliant if that. I do say so myself it's brilliant because of Chris Honeywell I'm just kind of filled. the picture that promotes it isn't you though
1: it is it's not you it is that's not you I'm pretty sure it is it's
0: not you. well like a zombie so it don't matter uh, as per the end of the latest episode is the subject heading of the next message from Stephen Lacey god Michael why have you done that it's the worst thing you could have done lols <laughs> I think that was when you made me read Final Crisis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have been a lot happy with New X Men. I bloody wouldn't. Which I think stands as its own thing. More successfully than Final Crisis, which spectacularly fails to tell the story in its own series. Can't wait for this. Can't wait for the episodes though, Steve.
1: What? What are you shuddering well, about? though? I'm, I've never read it, it as Final Crisis one to seven. I've read it with the tie-ins in. So. Yeah, I suppose.
0: A lot of people's view of that series is coloured by the fact that it was released very haphazardly, it missed shipping dates, various issues came out before issues that should have come out before them, if that makes any sense. So chronologically, it was all over the place. Whereas we've only read it in the trade,
1: yeah. and
0: in the British reprints. So everyone's told us how to read it for us. Yeah, so we never had any problem with that part of it. Hmm. So maybe that colours people's opinions, I don't know. Ooh, Spartacus is the subject heading of the next email. What a big sword you have! Yes, and lots of nude women. Uh, it's from Gabriel Jimenez again. Hiya, Gabriel. Uh, hey, kids. Uh, I like that. I'm currently listening to the final crisis episode, and whoa, is my head hurting just from the intro? couple of quick comics on comics. A couple of quick comments on the comic side of the episode. I am, by large, a very big Morrison fan. Sorry, Andrew. Except when he started screwing around with the current DC. Sorry, Michael. I love all his Vertigo stuff. His X-Men run was pretty entertaining. I think his JLA is fantastic. Even people that don't like Grant Morrison like his JLA run.
1: Because it's not Morrison.
0: I think even Scott Gardner likes his JLA It's very...
1: They've contained him, crushed him into a little box. It's not Morrison. Right. Okay. At around
0: the time of Final Crisis, though, eh, not so much. Everything got too confusing and annoying. Of course, it didn't help that the publishing schedule at the time was screwed up. The tie-in titles were bloody awful, and I couldn't devote as much time as I would have liked to my comics. Generally speaking, DC lost me when DiDio started his destruction of the classic Justice (laughs) League characters and stories. At that point, there was nothing going on in DC that I was enjoying, and I decided that DC did not care to have me as a reader, so I left. I did come back to try out Final Crisis and struggled to get to the end of it. I wasn't particularly enjoying it, but I hate to leave a story in the middle, and hey, this was Morrison. Things had to pick up eventually. After I was done with the last issue, I damn near flung the thing across the room. (laughs) Excellent. I do believe this was the last DC comic I ever bought. So that's Final Crisis for me in a nutshell. I'm looking forward to hearing your take on it and hoping that all this time has given me a clearer head and may finally be able to enjoy the damn thing. Anyway, the actual reason that I got excited to write was that Andy mentioned Spartacus. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Bit of censorship, though, for a family show. I do love Spartacus. I assume you guys watch it as well. Isn't it fantastic? My girlfriend and I watch it religiously as it comes out, and I've enjoyed this third season tremendously. Are you guys up to date with the show? I'd be very interested in hearing you talk about the show and would love a couch potato show on Spartacus. Woot! Uh, one, I really don't know how we could chew on a Spartacus in no. to our remit, to be honest. Although it may be fun to yeah. sit and watch Spartacus and we, talk we about it.
1: We should do a request series. Where we
0: just talk about anything they send us. Yep. Uh, secondly, we have not watched the new series of Spartacus yet. The one where Andy Whitfield has sadly had to be replaced due to his uh, unfortunate death due to cancer. Uh, because... Angela and I like watching the entire series in one go. I've not we do We anyone. don't like. You should. It's re- it is really good. We don't like watching one episode and then waiting a week. We'd like- we like watching all 13 in one go. So we're going to start that when we finish with Chuck. But yes, it is fantastic. It started off the Very first stubborn. episode of Spartacus. I watched it simply because uh, there was a clip of it on Charlie Brooker's screen wipe. Yeah. where he called it the bloodiest show he's ever seen and the clips were really good and they were just of all limbs getting hacked off and heads getting hacked off so and it was thought, a
1: Fredson tarantino film yeah pretty
0: much okay. and I thought oh go on I'll watch this it looks like it may be mindlessly entertaining and it is mindlessly entertaining okay. and there's shed loads of gratuitous violence and there's shed loads of naked women and men if that's so. the way that your 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 thing swings uh, <laughs> and loads of really fantastically creative swearing some of the swearing in that show is epic in just how well it's constructed. Okay. And the only thing that I'm not looking forward to about the new series, I'm, I'm not down with replacing Andy Whitfield, but obviously there's nothing they could do about that.
1: Yeah.
0: It wasn't like he marched off in a strop over pay. It's unfortunate the guy had cancer. It's really sad that the guy died and they just had to replace him because that's the way show business works. Yeah. I think the biggest person they're going to miss is um, Batty Artis. As magnificently played by the guy from the Mummy films whose name I've forgotten. He's a British actor. Oh, I know him. You know what I mean, don't you? He could swear like nobody's business. And he totally sold that over-the-top Shakespearean dialogue that they've got to spew. He's really good in it and they're really going to miss him, I think. But yeah, Spartacus started off as a bit of light fluff guilty pleasure. And three episodes in, you can't wait to watch the next episode because the characters are so interesting and well-drawn. And the fact that people take their clothes off every five minutes doesn't hurt. Okay. Really good. Alright, back to work for me. I'm glad he wrote to us while he was working. Yeah. Extra points for that. Hope you guys have an awesome day on your side of the pond. Later. Oh, I almost forgot. Guess who's watching Dead Set soon after listening to a couple of freaks, or an honorary, temporary freak at least, go on about the show. Hells yeah, go so he did what he did listen yeah. to the Dead Set one. Turns out my girlfriend, she's the best, watched it a while back and got the show for me to watch, so it looks like that's what we'll be doing for a couple of nights. We'll let you know how I like it. Cheers. Oh do. You can watch it in one night. You can, pre-we did, didn't we? Yeah. Because Dead Set is awesome. We love Dead Set. I really liked it. Uh, our next email, unsurprising email for Flash episodes by Dave Walker. Hello, Dave. Hey, guys. Whoever's reading this, feel free to assume your name comes first. <laughs> well, you read all of it.
1: Well, you read it if
0: you want. Okay, then. Do you want to read it? Yeah, you can do it. Okay. Unsurprisingly, since you're doing a Flash episode, I decided to write in again. So, I made notes while listening to our last week on part one of your return of Barry Allen coverage. I'm going to try and make sense of what I've written there. Sorry about it basically being in point four. Firstly, Green Lantern, in at least one story I've read, can hide his ring using his powers. I'm assuming someone's making comments about it, but that was like a week ago. Also, he doesn't wear his ring when doing test pilot things so that he can do his job properly. The ring would act too much of a safety net so he wouldn't be able to experience what the end user of the planes would. I like that idea. Yeah, I like the idea that he takes his ring off when he does his test pilot stuff. Yeah. Makes it so he's not cheating. I didn't know about the the ring-can-hide thing. I don't know. I wasn't aware of that, so thank you for that. Flash Rebirth changes Wally's costume to something similar to the costume he's wearing in these issues, except he has the DC animated universe version of the Flash symbol. All Feel right. free to check episodes of Flash Legacy to see what happens when I get annoyed by such changes when they're unexplained or unnecessary. That one I don't mind, though. I'm looking forward to trying to explain Ari's Allen West's return, because it's quite unusual and possibly complicated. Just so you know, one of my favourite issues is just before this, where I think Wally truly starts to become his own man, since he finally sees something he wants and goes to get it. It's basically the last few pages of issue 72, the one with the awesome cover where Wally is covered in gold. For my thoughts on Tina McGee, keep listening to Flash Legacies, shameless plug, as I'm pretty sure I'll be covering that in episode 7. Love the music to the episodes, especially when I pretty much know which track it is, from Zelda to alternative Superman themes. I'm glad you noticed that. Which one? This, both of them. The Zelda one was oh, all okay. you. But the Superman one, in Superman Grounded part one,
1: Yeah.
0: I made it a point that at no point in that show does it burst into the Superman march. Okay. Because A, I thought that entire story was just a big tease with no payoff. And okay. B, I didn't think it deserved it. Fair enough. So through the entire scoring of that episode, I was careful that it never went into the full. I do. I put an awful lot of out into scoring them. And it takes an inordinate amount of time. It really does. But it's worth it. Also not got Green Lantern 40 yet, but we'll have to, even though it's not especially good. It's the completest in me. Um, It wasn't that it wasn't especially good. It was a perfectly adequate issue of Green Lantern. You oh, didn't no. bother reading it, did nope.
1: you? Um, you in or... No, it
0: wasn't necessary, is my point. It's the worst kind of crossover issue, in that if you're just a Green Lantern reader, you're like, what the hell's all this with The Flash? But and if, if you're, you're reading flash The Flash, reader. and you've picked that up, you're like, what the hell's, happening with, what the hell's happening with Green Lantern? Yeah. What's going on here? So it's an unnecessary... Yeah, it's, so unnecessary. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. Uh, Part two, Michael is wrong God with Impulse awesome, but you were right about the whole Barry Allen almost getting married again. The trial story, which I need to read at some point, is part of the reason why The Return of Iris is going to be fun and complicated. Uh, Yeah, I almost picked up the showcase trial of The Flash in America, didn't I?
1: Yeah.
0: Almost picked it up and then decided against it, because A, it's heavy, and B, I can buy that over here. Yeah, there's no point buying it over there. Uh, Option B is the vote for me. Oh, I totally know what you're on about. I don't remember what he's talking about, though. You've got to remember at this point, Dave, we recorded that episode five or six weeks ago.
1: Yeah, we don't remember what we did yesterday. We don't remember
0: what we did yesterday, no. Uh, At least Brian Augustin has been honest about his feelings on the Dim Mac Death Touch, which is true. I remembered the proper name for it without thinking about it, even though at this point I should really have gotten to rereading it since it's in Annual 1, which I'll be covering in the next episode of Flash Legacies. Another plug. That's fair enough, I don't mind that. To quote Dogma regarding the Alamo dude on the comic book, man, his name was Brian Johnson. Yes, it's Brian Johnson. But he knew who we were talking about. Yeah. So... So, the Alan Moore dude yeah, is pretty much... Did you like Comic Book Man?
1: It was... It was alright, wasn't it? It was okay when they came in with cool stuff.
0: Yeah, it was fun. The cool stuff was fun.
1: Yeah, I did like when the other Batmobile and yes. whatever his face was just like, this is the greatest day of my life. Don't tell my wife I said yeah, don't that. don't tell my
0: wife I said that. But when they're just doing stupid stuff like playing hockey on the roof, like in Clerks or... What was the other stupid thing they did? They're all made up of the zombies. zombies yeah. It's like what? what what? Show me people coming in with cool stuff, dude. Yeah. I don't care about this stuff. Uh and Smith isn't in it as well. He's in he's not the, in the show. He's in the podcast. Bits. Do you not know, think Jason Mewes would be really irritating as a person?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff John's stuff yeah, I is pretty awesome. He's not, though, going, he's just acting. He's, he's playing Jay. He's acting. No, no
0: Maybe he's... Jay wasn't acting. No, no, oh, yeah. yeah. Dave continues Jeff John's stuff is pretty awesome, especially up to around the 190s and 20- 210s, which I'm still missing 197. It irritates me no end. Uh, the pictures in the Flash Museum, yep, looks like Flash 113 is represented with the trickster there. But sorry, Michael, they're not all first appearances. I'm oh, right well, that, was only
1: a guess anyway. Was
0: it? Mm. The Weather Wizard one looks like it's issue 145 and the Captain Cold one looks like it's 150, obviously from the first series. Yeah. Wally might have said the first speech before it sets off on the cover of Flash 79 and then said the final line while running. That's how I laugh for the massive amounts of talking in comics. I just assume the panels don't show all of the fighting McFightenstein It's hard to do with Wolverine, though. Uh, yeah, I think we did mention that. You just give that kind of thing a pass, don't you? Yeah. It's comics; just accept it and move on. And the six months between the stories that probably occur within these pages of whatever Justice League tightly showing up in. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that. Mm. There has to be time for him to bugger off and have adventures with the Justice League Europe, don't there? Yeah. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey is probably accurate too. Check out the Chain Lightning saga and the issues prior to this as to why Eobard Thorn may have some similar features to Barry prior to this so that the Plastimor thing he used works better. The yellow impurity disappears when Kyle takes over. Johns only explains or retcons or does whatever he does about why there's no more yellow impurity. Don't you hate it when you read the letters page and they say what you've already said, but better? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> hope you all enjoyed your American adventure yes we did didn't we Yes. thank you very much Dave P.S. since I seem to have a habit of doing the postscript that has something to do with Castle I figure why I stop now what do you think of the season so far at least as far as you've seen we've just watched episode 19 of, of Castle you are. yes you don't watch it do you? No. Um, it's good it's enjoyable I like Castle Okay. it's fun I like um, Esposito and Ryan a lot I think they've all become a nice little ensemble it's a fun show Okay. I'm not too sure about the most recent development where Castle found out that Beckett knew what he'd said to her when she was in a coma. Okay. I'm not sure what I think about that, but we'll see where they go with that. And I know Adam Baldwin's coming up in a couple of episodes.
1: Okay. Really now that, to that
0: finished. Now that Chuck's finished, yeah. Uh, Adam Baldwin. Castle. 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 Beckett. 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 They don't do it at the beginning anymore. Do they not? No. No. All right. Um, and now... Michael Bailey's emails. We should do a drum roll. Drum. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, I... Copy and paste all the emails over into one document so we're not faffing around in the email software. Yeah. But Mike emails me on my home email. So I, I forget that Michael sent me emails until I get to the end and go, There's no message, there's no mails from Mike here. Yeah. And then I go, Alright, he's in the other email. Oh, I'm so stupid. Wow. So I go over and copy all and so they're all together. Uh hey Andy. You mentioned that 70s show on the latest Hey Kids Comics and how it didn't really appeal to you. No, we thought it was crap. (laughs) And having seen bits of episodes whilst we were on holiday, my opinion's not changed. Uh, I was a fan of the show when it came on, but that had more to do with the fact that Clarence Boddicker from Robocop was the dad and the fact that I thought Laura Prepon was smoking hot. Uh, I've no idea who Laura Prepon is, sorry. Clarence Boddicker rocks. Okay. Clarence Bodica is um, guns
1: guns guns the oh, bad okay. guy from
0: Robocop oh, okay. and he's in Star Trek 6 The Undiscovered Country oh, and the, lots of others the sport.
1: crap one no Star Trek 6 is great is it? yeah oh, okay um, is that great you've th- never made me watch it? I don't make you watch anything
0: I stopped for the longest time you did I was trying to corrupt you I stopped following it after a while but would occasionally catch it on Nick at Night and frankly Eric is the only thing about that show that I like anymore so you really aren't missing much the main reason I'm sending you this email is I laughed when you mentioned that you were talking to the television and telling it that the line of Star Wars figures wasn't out during the year the show is set in yes 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 I did that didn't I Mm. I did the same damn thing two weeks ago when Rachel and I were watching the episode in the kitchen Eric was quizzing his dad on the figures and I said those are the re-releases that came out about ten years ago those figures didn't exist then Rachel gave me that look she sometimes gives me when I get that picky and laughed at me so I feel your pain on that yeah I I think I think Ange did exactly the same thing with me didn't she (laughs) I think she just looked at me in that pitying way that they do and go I can't believe you've had sex. (laughs) Sounds like you had as good of a comic geek Christmas as I did. I would love a pair of Superman Converse shoes as well, but I have mutant hobbit feet, so I will never be able to find a pair in my size. (laughs) I don't know. They had some pretty big ones in Journeys. Yeah. Cheers, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Hey there, Andy and Michael. Michael and Andy. Oh, very good. He still put you first, though. He didn't if you read the second one first. (laughs) So, you see what he did? It's very clever. Uh, Writing in about your most recent episode, which was about the first half of the Grounded storyline that ran through the last 14 issues of Superman. I've been looking forward to this episode ever since Andy mentioned reading the storyline on Facebook, mainly because I was curious what someone who didn't regularly read the Superman titles, i.e. Michael, thought of the story. That was the whole reason we did it.
1: I was really interested in your reaction. Because I read everything from New Krypton to the reboot. Yeah, you read everything over the course of a week. And every
0: day you would come down for school grumbling (laughs) about Grounded. And I was just like, well, we've got to do a show about that so we did personally I'm rather torn on grounded on the one hand this story was the straw that brought the camels back for me and when I say the camels back I mean that it Bane came to life grabbed the camel put it over his knee and said (laughs) broken and done and then disappeared in a puff of smoke New Krypton started out strong but eventually the story lost all direction and became more of a vehicle for the legion of superheroes than a Superman story
1: with all the magic and stuff as well yeah
0: The themes were well worth exploring, and I thought that Greg Rucker and Eric Troutman did some great work on action comics. Sadly, the end result was a mixed bag and ultimately didn't accomplish anything. After all of that, DC looked at their readers and said, You know, instead of going back to the basics or exploring the fallout of this story, we're going to keep Superman out of action and let a big-name writer come in and tell the Superman story he's always wanted to tell, which involves Superman leaving Metropolis behind for an unknown amount of time so he can walk across America and find himself. At that point, I'd had enough. and After 23 straight years of collecting the Superman books, I stopped buying them. (gasps) Eventually, I missed the character enough to come back to him and finally read both Grounded and the Black Ring. Quick aside, Michael is absolutely right. I know. You should really do woo, though. Alright. All right. The Black- I agree with him, though. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, the Black Ring is a great story. I liked it quite a bit. The only hiccup was Action Comics Annual 13, which I thought was pretty lacklustre. Actually, I hated the Dark Side story. What, Lex Luthor is awesome, but not that awesome. Especially that early in his career. You think that was the best bit? That was the best story in the annual, yeah. It's not really a contest worth winning, though, right, is it? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I liked the interplay he had with Perry White, but otherwise I was very disappointed in that story and the Rachel Gould story yeah, as well. I was well.
1: disappointed in that
0: one. Yeah. Nice art, uh, though. On the other hand, I started to like Grounded when Chris Roberson came on board, and yeah, we'll get more into that after listening to next week's episode. Chris Roberson's just resigned from DC Comics. Has he? Yeah, he's quit in disgust. Why? Uh, something about them being unethical. Fair enough. Uh, Suffice to say that Robeson took the story in a new direction, and I liked certain elements he brought into the story. Apparently, I liked what he did so much that it made me completely forget that the prologue to this story had one of the worst scenes in the history of Superman comics. I don't know if I blocked it out or what, but I had totally forgotten the woman slapping Superman and bitching about her husband dialing while, as Michael, Andy, and so many others have put it, including me, Superman was off saving the planet! Now, one could argue that in this case, Superman created the problem by enlarging the city of Kandor on a planet that had an atmosphere that would give them superpowers.
1: It's not his fault.
0: Well, this was a nice case of short-sightedness on the part of the Man of Steel, but I guess he was a bit excited at the prospect of meeting his fellow Kryptonian, yeah. which blinded him to the fact that some of them could be, to put it nicely, assholes. Sorry for the bleeping you'll have to do. now I do mean, not get away with assholes, Old Yeah. In any case, Superman ultimately saved the day, and as Spock so eloquently put it in Star Trek II, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. What happened to the woman's husband was tragic, but Superman should have been smart enough to see her outburst for the misplaced blame that grief can bring on that it was. Instead, he gets all mopey and goes on the walk. This brings up two problems. The first being that the entire point of the story bothers me, then no matter how good the result is, i will still end up having issues with it. Andy's comparison to Superman Returns is spot on. It doesn't matter how awesome the space plane sequence was, the core of that film was crap. When you put faulty materials into the foundation of a house, eventually it will collapse. Thankfully, Robeson was able to come in and do some patchwork to keep that from happening, but more on that next week. The second problem is actually a question. Why is it when some big-name creator comes along to do the epic Superman story that they end up producing something boring? Jim Lee, along with Brian Azzarello, came onto Superman with 4 Tomorrow, and for a year, I'm left scratching my head and trying not to fall asleep as I read the title. God, that's dull. I've still not read it. I am really looking forward to when he gets to that one from Crisis to Crisis, yeah. because I'm expecting three episodes of Jeffrey Taylor talking about the issue, and then Michael going... <sighs>
1: See, I want to read it as a comparison to Hush, because. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, sorry. Because them two
0: were the gym leave. Yeah, but Hush album. is good, and for tomorrow is cack.
1: Okay. No, save your life. Yeah. <laughs> read something good. I can read things in a day. I'm sure I'll be able to read it. You will morning. be able to read
0: that in a day. Yes, uh-huh. you really will. Ugh. JMS, who is a writer I rather like, especially the first 16 or so issues of Superman yes. Power, came onto Superman after telling Wizard magazine that he would crawl over monkey vomit and broken glass to write the character, and his big idea is to explore what Superman would do if he lost touch with humanity. Again, Andy, and others, including myself, will point to everything from Clark Kent to Smallville to Lois to Superman having a firm grasp on his humanity, chipping away at this idea. Also Superman, or rather Clark, was raised as a human. Even if he had some idea that he was an alien, the fundamentals of his upbringing would make him think of himself as a human first and an alien second. Just because someone discovers they are adopted doesn't mean they would wholly embrace the family or culture that gave them up. It's possible, but unlikely, given how awesome the Kents were as parents. So not only is the idea bad, but once again we get a high-profile Superman story with a dumb and unappealing premise. The first few chapters of the story were up and down for me. Like Andy, I enjoyed some of the smaller moments, but overall it was a whole hell of a lot of boring. The Lois Lane issue bothered me because it seemed like the writer never really had a point. Lois feels old. Lois feels like life has passed her by. he's an old friend who has this great life, but even he has problems with his wife, so now I'll spend some time alone with my husband. As a character study, it works. As a chapter, or even interlude for Grounded, it doesn't. I have to admit, even though the ending was very heavy-handed, I liked the child abuse issue. Sure, it seems unlikely that Superman would give a child a number to call every day to tell someone, probably whoever was on monitor duty for the JLA that day. Aquaman. Yeah. Although, having been to SeaWorld, I now think Aquaman could be really cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's a story for another time. Um, Tell someone that everyone was going to be fine if he didn't call and there would be trouble. I I understand that. The thing is, I like the idea that for the same reason that I like the scene of Superman barrelling up the stairs towards the abusive dad. And for that matter, any scene in movies, television or comics where an abuser gets what's coming to him doesn't happen enough in real life and because it doesn't happen enough in real life i like the idea that somewhere even in a fictional universe justice is being done so the whole call this number thing is silly but wouldn't it be awesome to see a story where the kid doesn't call in and green arrow or green lantern or the flash or even batman is dispatched to check up on the kid and has to whoop up on the dad again yeah punching him in the face would be cathartic but (laughs) having written all of that I must commend Andy on his honesty when discussing his feelings about the story. It was a unique perspective and it made for a powerful moment in the episode. Is this when we got serious? This when I got serious, yeah. In fact, it made me feel a little bad that I felt the way I did, but I understand that people have different experiences and perspectives and all that. Andy's right. Crisis at hand did this better, though it did have that one fatal flaw that Superman ultimately did nothing at the end of the first part and let a woman be savagely beaten by her husband. I understand why the writers did what they did, but at the same time it bugged the crap out of me. In any case, I really like when Andy got real though for a moment I'm surprised he didn't mention the child abuse episode of the Incredible Hulk which dealt with the subject in a pretty fair and honest way Uh, yeah well I emailed Mike back about this I I almost cut all of that out because I thought it was a bit too serious for us yeah Um, I consider this to be a frivolous bit of fluff (laughs) if it makes you smile a bit on a Friday while you're on your way to work, or at work, We're or on your way home from work, then yeah, we've done what we set out to do. We're not... This isn't our life's work, or legacy, or anything like that. It's a bit of fun. Probably would be, though. Yeah, it's just to the two of us goofing on about comics. Um, but nothing irks me more than child abuse. And especially the whole stuff that we've gone through with your, your, your mum's yeah. brother and all of that, and your mum's job. And it just it just irks me that there are people like that in the world who get away with it and they they really shouldn't and yes there is something cathartic about just punching them in the face but it doesn't solve any problems unfortunately Um, the episode of the Incredible Hulk that he's on about is from the second season called A Child in Need which is a really good episode of the Hulk um, in which there is a guy who's bullying his family and then the Hulk shows up and bullies him Fair enough. And that does deal with it in a pretty good way, at least as well as a 50-minute television episode can do it anyway, in that at the end of the episode we quite clearly see that David Banner, and by extension the Hulk, has got the man to accept that he has a problem and do something about it, which was completely missing from Straczynski's Superman story. Yeah. That was very much a very primitive and childish, somebody's beaten up a child, we must hit them,
1: yeah.
0: thing. And it's, no, that's not how real life works, and it just irritated me on so many levels. Uh, on a less serious note, I can answer Andy's question about when the worm turned in terms of Clark's characterisation. It was not only post-Infinite Crisis, but post-up, up and away. It was really after Richard Donner came on board as co-writer and they changed Clark back to a buffoonish character. This is evidenced by a two-page character profile sheet in the Action Comics Annual that concluded The Last Sun storyline. For the record, I hated it. It also shows if the decision to make Clark more like a bumbling fool and more like he was in the first Superman film and in the Donner cut of the second film came because of Donner's involvement, then I like the Lester cut of Superman 2 more because it has a much better relationship between Lois and Clark than the Donner cut had. I think I've written enough. Probably more than enough. I hope this makes sense because I'm sending it off as soon as I finish to keep it raw and popping fresh. Looking forward to the second part partially because you guys seem to like it more but also because I get to tell you why I love Iron Monroe so much. Cheers mate. Mike Bailey. Yeah, no, I don't think it was too long. I like Mike's emails. Okay. Andrew, Michael, Michael and Andrew. It's getting easy to spell Michael's name the way you all spell it. It's hard fighting against 30 years of habit. Yeah, think of it from our point of view. Yeah. <laughs> We're going the other way around. Anyway, the eagerly awaited second part of Your coverage to Grounded has finally hit the internet, and I listened to it as soon as I could. I was excited to hear what you thought of the second half of the story, as I thought that it improved by leaps and bounds when Straczynski left and Robeson came in. As I mentioned in the previous email, I had left the Superman titles for nine months when Grounded started, so I had to play catch-up with most of the story, so like the both of you, I read most of this in one chunk. I think it made for a much better reading experience mainly because it allowed me to blow through the JMS issues and take my time with the Robeson issues. This email is probably going to be more rambly than the last one and maybe a little more random as most of my thoughts on the Robeson issues boil down to, wow, I really like the Roberson issues. It's kind of funny that I chose to come back to the Superman titles when Roberson was on Superman and Connell was on Action Comics and both writers were producing Superman stories that I was digging and then DC decided to hit the reset button on many of their titles. Roberson, like Connell, pulls from my era of Superman and had some great ideas that I really liked and one that I was very lukewarm about. I'll get the negative out of the way first. I was not a fan of the whole fortress of solidarity idea. It was a solid concept, and I think Robeson pulled it off, but I'm not a fan of Superman stories that are too science fiction-y. A good example of this is DC One Million, which you all touched on briefly. I like the story, but when it came time for Superman Prime to literally come out of the sun, my main thought was, wow, this is some really neat art. (laughs) Another good example was this, was All-Star Superman, which I liked overall, enough to do an episode of Views from the Long Box on it. But when Morrison gave Superman a baby Sun Eater as a pet, it just didn't sit well
1: with me. Well, you're accepting a guy who comes from Krypton, who can fly and has super strength and speed, and r- alien robots and, and metallos and parasites, but you're not okay with a Sun Eater.
0: No. See, I didn't mind any of All Star Superman. No. In fact I liked I really did like that the Fortress of Solitude key was just a normal Yale key. But, but it was, was very very but heavy. was very, very heavy. So I wanted to see if I could lift it up. And I liked that he kept it under a doormat. <laughs> amused me no end. <laughs> Uh, This is not a slam against Morrison, for the moment. That is the Superman he wants to write about. I like a more street-level Superman. And when I write street-level, I mean having the world around Superman be very realistic, so that when Superman does his thing, he looks that much cooler. Superman saving a bunch of people in the middle of modern metropolis, I'll have the superfeet scene in Superman Returns, is awesome. The idea of a legion of Superman from the future, less so. As I said, Superman Incorporated. Yeah. As I said, Superman made it work. It was the one element whose run I didn't care for. Moving on. If Robeson did anything to endear me as a reader, which is a very arrogant thing to say now that I think of it, it was the simple idea that Clark was a fan of Iron Monroe in his youth. I'm a huge fan of Iron Monroe. Most comic readers have one character or team that are on the obscure side, and yet they love that character or team to pieces. Yeah, Powell Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. Iron Monroe is that to me. I think Andrew mentioned that he didn't know all that much about him, so I thought I would drop some mad knowledge on y'all. In 1985, there was a little story that nobody's heard of called Crisis on Infinite Earths.
1: A what? Yeah. What? The. Mm. there... Never heard of it.
0: No, I don't know of any stories with the Crisis in the title. Yeah. Anyway, Crisis did a lot of things to the DC Universe. The biggest being that it made the DCU a DCU. Before that, it was a multiverse, which included Earth 2, where the Golden Age versions of the DC characters lived. Earth 2, and by extension Roy Thomas, who had two ongoing series that took place in that universe, got screwed over by the crisis. Despite having handshake deals in place to keep the Golden Age Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Robin and Green Arrow around, DC ultimately decided there was only room for one version of those characters, so uh, Roy I like was that. kind of stuck. Instead of quitting in protest, he decided that the absence of the big guns left this big weird amount of energy that needed to be filled, and either created or pulled in characters to take the place of Superman, Batman, etc. Thomas created a character named Iron Monroe to serve as the new Superman of DC's Golden Age. He had the same power set as the Golden Age version of Superman. He was strong, fast and virtually invulnerable. Thomas did a good job of making the character distinct and very flawed. Monroe was arrogant and a bit of a horn dog as well. In fact, the first time we see him in Young All Styles number 1, he's about to engage in some shameful behaviour with a woman of questionable virtue. Roy even quips a lovely way of saying he's about to screw a whore. Yeah. <laughs> Roy even gave him a social disease at one point, which I found hilarious. (laughs) Crabs. Like many of the characters... (laughs) that Thomas created for young All-Stars, which was the title that replaced All-Star Squadron, Arne Iron Monroe had his origins steeped in literature. Thomas used a little-known book titled The Gladiator by writer Philip Wiley to serve as the backstory for Arne. In The Gladiator, a science professor creates a solution that gives his unborn son named Hugo Danner amazing strength, speed, etc. Life is not easy for Hugo and had Marvel angst a good seven years before there was a Marvel Comics. The fact that Hugo had dark hair was faster than a speeding bullet and all that probably sounds familiar to many people, myself included, believed that he was the source of inspiration for Superman, despite the fact that Siegel publicly denied this claim, probably to avoid litigation. When I learned that am Monroe was Hugo's son, my first thought was, hey Wiley said that the abilities could not be passed naturally and any children Hugo had would be normal unless they were given the solution too. After that little bit of nerd rage subsided my next thought was, how awesome is it that the character created to replace Superman was the son of the one of the inspirations for Superman? So the idea that a young Clark Kent would be inspired by Monroe makes me very happy. Thank you for the explanation on the 40 cakes thing. That made me laugh. Good job, Michael. (laughs) Speaking of Michael, he was a bit off when it came to Supergirl's costume. The black and white costume never appeared in the actual Supergirl title. Of the Justice League one. Yeah, but that was something James Robinson played with. The timeline and events is a bit wonky. That much can't be denied, but her being in costume in the one issue did not contradict all the Superman books as Michael suggested. Not trying to pick on Michael, just pointing this out. The Wonder Woman issue bugged me, but only because of the whole you've never seen this Wonder Woman before thing. I like the story. I didn't like that they revamped that character so drastically, though I guess it really doesn't matter anymore, does it? The Batman issue was a lot of fun, as was the Flash issue. I love the idea that Bruce would be a fan of the Crimson Avenger and Clark would be a fan of Iron Monroe. and for a long time there was the Crimson Avenger replaced Superman as the first costume hero of the DCU until a Golden Age Secret Files and Origin story that revealed that while on some Mystic Soul Quest thingy, Lee Travis... The Avenged civilian identity had a vision of the future where he saw Superman, a person he regarded as a great hero, die at the hands of Doomsday. This inspired him to be the Crimson Avenger and answered the question, what exactly was the Crimson Avenger avenging? I have since come to like this idea, but back in the early 2000s, I thought it was, as you guys would say, pants. I have to admit I was rather upset at finding out that Roberson was going to bring back Sinbad in the issue that DC pulled. I knew this before listening to the episode, as I too heard the awesome War Rocket Ajax episode that interviewed Roberson, thanks in no small part to Andrew, but it bugs me that the story was pulled for mysterious reasons. On paper, the fact that DC finally printed the Kurt Busiek story that was solicited a few times but was never seen should have made me happy. To be fair, it was a nice little story that made me kind of sad. It certainly pulled at the heartstrings, but to have that story at the expense of one that sounded, in all honesty, more interesting, makes it a hollow victory. Now, I could be wrong. The Sinbad story could have been awful. I understand that. Still, it would have liked to have made that decision for myself. Ah, well, maybe someday when Grounder gets the absolute treatment, we may get to see it. The final issue was very strong. While I agree that a straight-up "Whatever Happened to the Man of Steel?" story would have been great, both super and action ended on high notes. I would argue that we got a big send-off to this era with the Reign of the sto- Doomsday storyline, but that's an argument for when you guys cover the Black Reign, Reign of the Doomsdays. Anyway, great job as always. Glad you liked both the Robson issues as much as I did. And we're writing soon. Cheers, mate. Mike, um, you want to do Reign of the Doomsday, don't you? Yeah.
1: Well, you do anyway. I'm,
0: I'm happy to do Reign of the Doomsdays. Issues, yeah, you find him. We'll do him. Michael and Andrew Andrew and Michael I hate what? to start this email off with a correction but Apocalypse Now the two part episode where Dan Turpin died was not the final episode of Superman the animated series Apocalypse Now took place in season two or at least what they now are season two Legacy part one and two were the final episodes of the series where Superman's mind is taken over by Darkseid kind of like what happened in the Legends crossover issues of the Superman titles and in the end Darkseid is defeated but there are people including Professor Hamilton that no longer trust Superman this theme is carried over into Justice League and Justice League Unlimited it was an awesome episode. Yep. You were quite surprised that that was the last one, weren't you? Yep. Been a bit dark and very empire. Yeah. And you were like, "But there's no return of the Jedi. The Jedi. That's it. Should watch all of the Justice League." Now. <laughs> I know, I know. Continues Michael. A minor nitpick, but there it is. Speaking of nitpicks, Zero Hour should be considered a crisis as well as the full title for Zero Hour is Zero Hour Crisis okay, in so time. Got. It's on the trade and everything. I forgot. I didn't pick it up either, okay. to be fair. Uh, you'll count Animal Man if you'll count Zero Hour. Oh, okay, I will, but I forgot.
1: <laughs> zero Hour's a prologue to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Zero Hour retcons... In what uh, way is Zero Hour prologue no, to Crisis
0: on Infinite Earths?
1: No, Okay, an epilogue. An epilogue? Yes, I meant an epilogue. An epi- oh, right. epilogue. Oh, right. I'm
0: more down with that okay. than
1: prologue. I know it's a crisis in time and all. It fixes the little bits, the left unanswered in Crisis. Right fair enough okay I should have picked up that you missed Zero Hour to be fair but I didn't Bloodhaven
0: is pronounced Bloodhaven but I like the pronunciation you all came up with
1: Bloodhaven yeah
0: (laughs) you want to go to Oktoberfest
1: the German people in Epcot didn't appreciate
0: it did they not (laughs) (laughs) oh and Nightwing lived in Bloodhaven until it was destroyed after Infinite Crisis and his walkabout with Bruce and Timmy settled in New York City right okay normally I'm rather lukewarm towards Morrison I don't hate him Though President Cumpty and Chris John should be an exception, I'm not much for his fans. They tend to be like Alan Moore fans, and the of personality that surrounds the writer and his work tends to. Now, nah, nah, before you get bent <laughs> out of shape, Scott said the same thing to me. Right. In that most of the Morrison fans he's encountered are pretentious art student types who are very much, you don't understand this. That's why you don't like it. Thanks. I no. no. Not I don't mean, like, I st- do I like Morrison, but I'm not. student. So you won't stu- let me finish well. now. And what Scott said was, you didn't seem like that. Okay. So, happy now? Uh, I'm I'm
1: very happy. Uh, Why would I
0: seem like... Not pretentious art school students? (laughs) 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 All right. Fair enough. Uh, I was not a fan of Final Crisis when it first came out. In fact, I pretty much hated it. However, I decided to give it another look after a year or so and found that when read together it wasn't that bad and made for a decent story with one fatal flaw. I think the two things that hurt this series the most are the fact that it was so late and that DC sold us as a big summer blockbuster crossover when it really wasn't. It was a fairly typical Morrison story where would have played with the very idea of what a story is and laid all kinds of metatextual bits of business throughout the series. And while that may make for an interesting read, it wasn't what comic book fans wanted in the era of Civil War, Infinite Crisis, Secret Invasion. The fact that DC didn't keep this as its own little event, a la Seven Soldiers, Woo! which I now own thanks to a few cheap eBay lots and will one day read, very good. isn't Morrison's fault. While some of the crossover miniseries were rather good, with the exception of the last few pages of Legion of Three Worlds, but I'll <laughs> rant about that next time, it wasn't fair to the readers or to Morrison to foist this on the marketplace as something that it wasn't. So all of the problems with the marketing of this story belong to DC. Having said that all of my problems with this story have everything to do with the fact that I just don't like to read this type of story. I'm all for writers exploring whatever the ideas and concepts that drive them to put pen to paper, but sometimes the result is something I really dig. In most cases I end up checking out halfway through because for the most part I like reading about linear stories that have a sense of continuity to them but also feel like a real world. During the 90s and the first half of the 2000s I followed the DCU because, with a few notable exceptions, there was a history to the world and the characters were progressing forward and I dug it. That's the sort of fictional world I can get into the moment the writer on a serious level as opposed to a wink and a nod to the reader for the sake of humor points out that all this is a story and isn't really happening i tend to lose all emotional investment in what i'm reading it's having the most wonderful dream ever and in the middle of it you realize that on some level you are dreaming it just bugs me and because of that as fantastic as the art and some of the writing is in final crisis that fatal flaw will keep me from enjoying it on all levels the crossover miniseries were rather good I liked Rogue's Revenge, I liked the Spectre Question miniseries, Superman Beyond, eh, not so much, but I won't go into why because it will be a rehash of what I wrote in the above paragraph. It bothers me on several levels that Morrison would say that if a reader had a problem with how he went about writing Final Crisis, then it's the reader's fault. Yeah, that bugged the hell out of me. I heard Mark Wade say something similar on his now defunct podcast. Wade's point that Morrison was tapping into a comic book readership that had access to the internet and therefore could Google or Bing a character's name and learn more about them, and in all honesty, there is something to that. It's much easier to find out the background of a comic character or series today than it was when Andrew and I were younger. Back then, you had to rely on editor's notes and the back issue bin to learn more about what you were reading if you didn't have access to Who's Who or the Marvel Handbook. So Morrison's, and by extension Wade's point of view, is valid. My only real issue with the idea that if a writer thinks OK, I'm not going to bog down the dialogue and flow the story with a lot of what I consider necessary exposition but that's okay because the reader should be able to climb onto some of the information superhighway and find out anything they would like to know about Sonny Sumo and he's then faced with a reader asking uh, who the hell is Sonny Sumo the reaction should be wow I guess I overestimated the readership not hey you got Google pal use it I did use Google that wasn't helpful it gave me a brief paragraph on who he was see well so Morrison's argument falls down again I think it's lazy writing okay. to be honest with you I think he was like well I can't be asked explaining this
1: well it may just be me, but when I'm a story, I'd rather read a story rather than a story that stops every once in a while to get, tell you who a person is.
0: But conversely, I would rather read a story that is fully understandable than have to stop reading the story to go and find out what the hell's going on.
1: Well, I just accept it's a character who I don't know. And I do mostly. Yeah. Mostly
0: so I don't know who this guy is.
1: But I'll read it anyway. But I'll carry him. Yeah. I don't need to know who he is. Oh, well, I... In Final Crisis, you kind of didn't need to know who Sonny Sumo yeah, he was. Yeah,
0: he was kind of integral, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, in the end, I think that extra homework on the part of the reader should be a fringe benefit of the reader, not the writer. And to expect otherwise and then get put out because your audience didn't behave the way you wanted them to is a bit annoying and kind of arrogant because you're assuming that only one type of reader is buying your stories. And I guess that's it for this time. You guys have been really nailing these last handful of episodes. Keep up the great work and I look forward to next week's episode. Cheers, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And finally, hey to Hey Kids Comics. Hey, Michael. I thought it would be best to write one big email to both episodes about the return of Barry Allen instead of doing so one week at a time. This is mainly due to the fact that I'm lazy, but that is probably well known at this point. Once again, you've chosen a story that is near and dear to my heart. In the summer of 1994, I decided to jump into the deep end of the DC Universe pool and started picking up a good number of titles, including Flash. i previously read the year one story out back when it was first published, but the 16-year-old me didn't feel a real connection to the title. The 18-year-old me felt differently, and in short order, the Flash became a top-of-the-pile read when I would pick up my books. I slowly began getting the back issues to fill out my run, and by the summer of 1995 I had nearly every issue of the Wally West Flash series. I started going through the books, and while I enjoyed the first part of Wade's run, it wasn't until the return of Barry Allen that I truly fell in love with it, as much as you can fall in love with a bunch of pictures and words. Andrew hit the nail on the head when he said, in several places, so I'm seriously paraphrasing here, that The Flash was a bit of a soap opera about the life of a guy in his early 20s. The Baron stuff is a solid read, but doesn't feel particularly like The Flash I would cheer for. Mesner Loeb's run was quirky and had some great character-driven stories, but again, Andrew was right to point out that the series became as much about Wally's supporting cast as it did about The Flash. Wade hit the ground running, no pun intended, with Year One and refocused the series for the better. The first step in this was grabbing Jay Garrick almost as soon as he was back in the DCU after Armageddon Inferno and made him a major supporting character in the series. This began the generational aspect of Wage Run that I liked so much. Then he brought back Barry and turned it into this emotional story about Wally coming to terms with himself as a hero and a man. I'll fully admit that I cheered in the final chapter when Wally manned up and took Zoom down. The art and the writing came together in a truly fist-pumping moment that reminds you why you read superhero comics in the first place. Beyond that, Wade kickstarted started the notion that the Speedsters are a family and cemented the generational thing I was blathering on about earlier. By including Johnny and Jesse Quick, who had been reintroduced and introduced respectively in the pages of the awesome 10-issue Justice Society of America comic, and then bringing in Max Mercury, I think Wade took a trick out of the Roy Thomas playbook and began bringing together separate elements in a more organised fashion and turned the Flash into a team boot that mainly focused on one character. It was truly special, and you guys did right by the story. Oh, thanks, Michael. Um, so thank you for two very awesome episodes There were some of the best you've ever done I hope that Andrew ends up liking the rest of Wage Run as much as I did even though a definite formula manifests itself eventually and there is a year where Grant Morrison and Mark Miller write the series thanks again Mike
1: oh wow there was a time when Mark Miller and Grant Morrison liked each other apparently so yeah.
0: P.S. the Green Lantern no longer been vulnerable to Yellow came when Kyle Rayner began GL thought you'd like to know okay nice, nice P.S. thank you very much to everyone who emailed in we all appreciate we all there's only two of us uh, we appreciate you all every single one of you next week for real for realsies for realsies this time is Spider-Man month and we are kicking off with two classics from the 1960s we're doing Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number two The Goblin Lives and Amazing Spider-Man it well, would be a issue if it was The Goblin Dies uh, well they already did that it was called The Night Gwen Stacy died I no it was the, the other one wasn't it yeah. um, and we're also in Amazing Spider-Man 18 I think where Peter Parker graduates school Okay. high school because I have interesting things to say about that one Yeah. always yeah. we'll
1: see bye. you next week
0: goodbye goodbye <laughs> I thought you were going to bother that I
1: didn't know you wanted to say bye was oh, I was, was wondering if you were going to say anything oh ok
0: no, you're not going to say anything
1: like what profound profound
0: urbane urbane witty witty yeah Okay. Say goodnight, Grace. Good Goodnight, Greta. Bye-bye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this much to the chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com but you can also listen through our Facebook page which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com we also have a forum, all one word, com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.